production of Dirty Mo Media. There he is. Come on in here, buddy. Have a seat. Hey, everybody. Glad you tuned in. It's time for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Mike Davis, Dale and Hart Jr. the Bojangle Studio. We've got a great guest today. How you doing, Red? I'm doing fine right now. My first race was in Opelika, Florida in 1948. You died on that hill. Yep. You, your career died on that hill and you were hard-headed. Yep. Just something for everybody out there, you know, when the time comes, you know, don't get on this cigar-shaped ship, get on this saucer, okay? Just, just, <laughs> just, just a little friendly <laughs> advice. And that was far more egregious than what Denny Hamlin did. What? I don't think Denny Hamlin even touched him. Are you kidding me, Mike? Hey, door bumper cleared. I don't think they did either. You need to watch the door freaking bu- race. I did watch the race. They hit. You'll know when it's time to retire because you run out of <laughs> You kind of... <laughs> like when, you're, when you're at zero <laughs> that's like, yeah, I'm going to skip my last year. There was a raid on your house. Right. What What was the raid for and what came up? And then that's when he said, well, lock him up. Five seconds later, boom, my hands are on my, you know, my back and I'm going to jail, you know. Well, that's not what Kyle Petty said. What the f*** has Kyle Petty got to do with this? Hey everybody, welcome to the final episode of 2022 of the Dale Jr. Download. I am Dale Jr. and with me is my co-host Mike Davis. How's it going, Mike? Going great, buddy. Mike, we have a doozy today. Yes, we do. Brian France is going to be on the show. Uh, Brian France was the CEO of NASCAR for 15 years. A while, yeah. Yeah. And um, had a uh, very traumatic removal or whatever you want to call it, from the sport. It made news. <laughs> it did. And, you know, we haven't heard much about him. And he was interested in co- coming on the show. We've had him on our list for a long time. Didn't know if that would ever be something that would happen. Well, it turns out he wants to come on here and tell us what he's been up to. Obviously, we're going to talk about everything that he went through uh, as, you know, growing up around NASCAR, growing up in the industry, and then becoming the head of, of the industry as a CEO and making all those decisions that were made over those years. We're going to talk about the good and the bad, and uh, I think Brian's going to be um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I look forward to this. Um, and, yeah, I, we haven't heard his name mentioned a whole lot. I mean, he's sort of been laying low. I'll be curious to know if that's intentional or what. You know, what, what's going on there. So I'm looking forward to it. We're not going to do a dirty air today because we just want to get right yeah. to the Brian France interview. Well, let's just get started, get Brian in the room. Brian France on the Dale Jr. Download. Chairman and CEO of NASCAR, uh, Brian France. Um, he wants to touch on a couple things related. And but we never thought you'd you'd want to come on. But <laughs> so why not? Brian France is on the download. You mentioned mistakes. Um, would you say that the car of tomorrow was one of those? Uh, we'll make tough decisions, but there's going to be more pushing and shoving now. Yeah. 
were there moments when you when you had a hard time not letting it get personal? It's my profession. It's what we do, and it affects it. You haven't seen Brian in a long time. There, there's a selfish motivation to 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 uh, doing all this stuff and growing the pie for everyone. There were some good things. What if you were presented with an opportunity to work in the industry again? August 5th, 2018. August 5th, okay. Yeah, it was a tough day. You got some coffee? You ready? I'm ready. I've been watching you guys, so have I you? have to get. I got to get ready for this. <laughs> got to get some energy. Yeah. So how's it going? It's going great. Yeah. It's going really good. It's been uh, a long time. It has been a while. Yeah. I, I'm able to watch you every week. And, I know. On NBC and uh, all that. So congratulations to. Thanks. Uh, not to mention what the, I was just talking to Kelly out there and 15 wins and everything yeah, this you've done. Year's been... Yeah. It's. It's one for the ages. Yeah, yeah, we get lucky every once in a while. You know, you kind of – we've been doing this a long time. You figure you're going to have a year like this eventually. Yeah, yeah. But uh, – and plus all our resources and everything. But um, So, man, thanks for coming. Uh, we had you on our list. We got this long list of people that we want to have on the show, and, and but we never thought you'd you'd want to come on. But <laughs> so Why not? I don't know. You know, you're busy. You're on, moving on with your life and, and wasn't sure exactly – uh, yeah. You know how how you'd want to revisit your your you know because we're going to talk about NASCAR and sure. all the things you did and yeah. um, wasn't sure where you were with all that and how comfortable you were with because you uh, hadn't done much media you know no I've done a little bit but not much yeah. no not much but I, I'm real comfortable with everything so yeah. there's no uh, so no issue there where, where did you come from today I was in uh, New York last night mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so uh, I'm in I was in Charlotte where I've got my investment stuff that we do is all based in charlotte so mm-hmm. i'm i'm here a lot so yeah. uh here in north carolina so it's easy for me to do okay i gotta i gotta admit man like you have lost a lot of weight how much weight have you lost i lost 20 something pounds 25 pounds it's, i needed to though yeah uh, i needed to so yeah well man interesting so you look great uh 60 years old 60 years can you believe that yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah, I know. You the feel years, good? They keep coming. Uh, I I feel good. I good. I do feel good. But that that's also motivating me to get in better getting shape. Older, yeah. My kids are in, same. You know, yeah, all that stuff. So. I turned forty eight, man, and it just doesn't feel real because it <laughs> like uh, like fifteen years just went somewhere that. Well, I, I got to tell you, they they tell you fifty, that's going to be one and all. Sixty though, what the. Really, sixty? Yeah. That, that one I can't. I can't get my head around it. Yeah. Do, do, do you get? Uh, do, do you look for it, or do you uh, uh, dread birthdays? I'm now dreading them. Okay. Uh, uh, again, I, I I just turned sixty in August, and you know, of course, I'm fifty. Fifty. You know, I'm, I'm coming up on it. I know it's coming. <laughs> but you, you, just, you just don't think of yourself in life going by that quick. But right. it does. It, it does. does. It yeah. does. So um, let's talk about your childhood, man. Um, what was that like? So I, I knew your dad uh, a little bit, very hands-on, very – it seemed like he wouldn't have uh, – I, I can't imagine what kind of dad he might have been, uh, probably similar to mine, not around yeah. to throw ball, not, not taking you trick-or-treating, 
uh, I'm not sure, right? But he just they seem similar in a sense that they were really married to their job. Uh, I think right, right, absolutely tough guy. Yeah, uh, there would be a lot of similarities uh, with your dad. He, he gone on the weekends, so uh, worked, came home, you know, six seven o'clock at night uh, every night. So you're right. He he, he that wasn't going to be my dad, but uh, uh, but you knew he was there for you, but. You know, it's probably, you know, I thought about this interview because we have been that close through the years right. and, and no particular reason, sure. uh, just because we were you know, going in different directions. But we had a lot of similarities. Uh, our dads were really good friends. And, yes. and, and frankly, he, my, your dad was my, my dad's ally in NASCAR. He really was. And uh, trusted him, liked him. Uh, it was one of those kind of relationships, and uh, and then you and, and then they were this kind of similar guys, on different sides of the of, of the sport, of course. But but you know, tough, uh, fair. Um, you knew where they stood. They're going to lead. They're going to move, and all that stuff. And uh, and so we had a, we, there was a lot of things that we had in common. Had we ever sat down and talked, we would have had a lot more in common. Than right. We thought we would have. Yeah. So what was it like growing up, um, you know, with him gone so much? Where was your direction? What was your what was motivating you? It was cool. I, 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 I have to say, I mean, we had a, some of my great memories. We had so you don't know this when it's happening, right? And you're you're a teenager, you're a kid and you're growing up and it's, you know, everybody came to Daytona for in February mm-hmm. or July. And we didn't think a lot of it uh, at the time. But but. I'll tell you some really cool stuff. One, when Bo Derek and the movie Ten came out, Bo Derek's dad was the president of Kawasaki, <laughs> and he came down in March and brought his family. So you can imagine, I'm a teenager, I'm going, what? Bo Derek's coming, and we're going to go all have dinner with her. Well, she didn't actually come, but her sister came and her brother came, and it, but it was fun. But we had like James Garner when he was hot. Uh, you know, over for dinner. And again, I'm like thinking, well, this is kind of how everybody rolls, right? right. James Garner's coming in and, uh, oh, yeah, I'll bring my friends by. And, you know, it was that kind of thing. And yeah. uh, it, it it was fun. But you don't know how special that is when it's happening. But you do when you get a chance to sit back and look at it now. Yeah. Where did you go to school and what were you into as a kid? I was into a lot of stuff uh uh i went to public schools in daytona uh ucf in orlando um it it was the traditional stuff that was sports uh i played a lot of stuff wasn't good at at, at anything particular um but we played a lot Uh, that was also when you could take off on your bike and be gone for the whole day. Yeah. Uh, you can't do anything like that now. Uh, so you could, you know, ride all over Daytona uh, and be <laughs> gone all, you know, just out uh, and uh, at 15 or 12 or 14, mm-hmm. whatever it was. And, you know, so those times have all changed and everything has changed, but it was fun growing up in Daytona. Yeah. Your um, first job was a janitor at Talladega? Uh yeah, I, I, I did everything you could do. And the reason that that was the case was the way we had it set up was you were going to always – you're going to have opportunities. But my, my dad had a thing about performance. You're going to have to perform. 
and whatever you're doing, and you're and you're not above anybody, and you're not below anybody. And he was real clear about that. And he said, now that said, you're going to get opportunities. So whatever you're doing, you got to be you got to be good enough yeah. at it, but, whatever it is. But so, did you, but did you go, Dad? What about why janitor though? I mean, like in there, like what what is a janitor job at Talladega? It sounds. Well, I, I actually picked up the track. I actually okay. was, you know, g- going. In the, just on I, race I, weekend? I did everything. And the reason I did it wasn't just because I was climbing some. I was climbing a ladder at 15 yeah. years old. It was to earn money. It oh. was to earn money on the weekends. And, you know, my dad kept telling me, you know, I'm doing okay, but you're broke. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I listened to him. Uh, yeah. And uh, and so I would – I. I Newspaper job, you know, I, I, was, I delivered newspaper. Whatever it was, I was always doing something to earn money. Yeah. Nice. And so um, what was your interest in racing? I mean, you're obviously your dad, your family, and all that. I mean, it's, in your, it's, it's part of your life. Uh, but were you interested in it? Were you curious about following in the family business? Yeah, I, 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 sure. And uh, But – you know, it, it's also trying to f- match up where you can contribute. So, um, and that was the cool part of, and still is the cool part of NASCAR because you you can make a if, if, and you also have to, if you're me, make contributions. Hopefully, where other people aren't making them. Yeah. So there's some space. Mm. So if you're running along, my dad was. Uh, incredible on operations. He was incredible in the garage area, right? He was actually a great generalist. He he was great in, in, in a lot of things, but uh, but he focused on that because he liked that. Uh, and so I had to focus on things I I had an opportunity to do. Happened to be the business side. Happened to be bringing in revenue, growing the 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 other thing that was always told and instilled in me is hey, you know. This is a big privilege, and it's not about me. Uh, it, when, I, when we own NASCAR, that's terrific. That's well, what a neat thing. But it's, you know, we're just custodians of this thing. We, we've got to make it bigger and better for everyone. That's mm-hmm. the whole idea. How can you do that? W- yeah. Where would you fit in to make that kind of impact? If you can't, that's okay, too. We, we can, you can, because there was no pressure on me to do anything within the, within the family business. Yeah. Never so has been. Where were you uh, for the Daytona 500 in 79? In 79, I was there. Uh, what were yeah. you doing? What was I doing? Um, you know, they had the they had the rain delay, and they had your your grandfather on, on camera uh, talking about, you know, how you know how they're progressing through the through the rain delay and whatnot and and there was a national televised flag to flag audience on a major network i mean in my opinion so i ask you about the specific day because i feel like that this was like a massive moment in the sport uh in terms of really making us um you know a mid-atlantic regional sport to a national sport we we were broadcast to everyone mm-hmm. there was this unique you know weather system on the east coast that had everybody snowed in and in their homes watching tv and um your family was kind of orchestrating this this moment uh and yeah well right and, and that was my dad and yeah. that was my dad uh and my uncle and others taking risk because at that time, going to network television with CBS, 
uh, you know, that had some risk to it. You, you could you could flop out and do poorly, right? Uh, and uh, so when do you do that? How do you do that? Do you do that? Uh, uh, now, you know, it's, it's different. But back then, that was, a, that was a risk. But And then it, you know, a fight breaks out, yeah. and you, you couldn't have had a better situation, a snowstorm, as you mentioned. I don't remember that real well in, in terms of that was early on for me. But the significance of that is correct. Yeah. Uh, that was a very significant thing for the sport. It says here um, that you managed some short tracks in your time. Um, yeah. Tuscan Raceway Park. So what was the, you know, did yeah. that? Did somebody call you and say, hey, man? I'm- no, that was all, all me wanting to operate something. All me uh, knowing I, you know, I'm not going to operate the Talladega Speedway. Right. So uh, it was, and it was a great experience. I moved to Tucson. Uh, people thought I was crazy, but you know, I had four employees that includes me, by the way. So we had three, three. uh, so, uh, yeah. And it was a great experience of dirt track. Uh, you had to do everything. You had to be the race official, the promoter. You, and you, you did? Know, I did. Uh, I did. Uh, we were financially made some money with it. Uh, yeah. at that point that was going to be where, where ISC at the time was going to own perhaps a lot of those short tracks. It never, we never Never worked out for us to do that, but man, but yeah, so we ended up. Uh, well, that would be cool today. Like if we were sitting here, uh, you know, I'm I'm I, I'm still heavily involved in short track scene, and yeah, yeah, and that would be incredible if I if you guys owned like uh, you know half a dozen short tracks in this area. Had that well, worked, you know, had that worked out? Had, to had where, it worked out, but it, it didn't work out for us. But uh, but it was a great experience for me. Yeah, uh, I really is that the only track you you had hands on experience with? Uh, yeah, I quick, pretty quickly from there went, uh, to the touring divisions and ran those, uh, got some organization to those touring divisions at the time, Northwest tour at the time, Southwest tour, Mm -hmm. you know, the modifieds, all that stuff kind of got some organization to, to that on the West coast. So you spent well and the East Coast and the East Coast. At the time. All right, because I know later you went to the LA office and yeah, and yeah. So you had uh, working at in Tucson and all that. You had some experience. Uh, you had I, you know because people have to remember, like in the eighties and the seventies. Yeah, we had some races on the West Coast, but we weren't we weren't really that massive, right? You know, west of the Mississippi. Um, but I think that you know did. Did you were you seeing like hey man like you like you say you know you got to figure out where you can where you can bring something to the table that's not there were you seeing this uh, opportunity for growth to, you know we needed you needed to take NASCAR to introduce it to LA uh, was that was that part of your initiative well y- yes anything we could do to what we what we found is is when we got out of the southeast we did real well. Whether it was going to Phoenix or whether it was going to Fontana or wherever it was, and, and we didn't just do well when, when for live events, but when our events got distributed on Fox or uh, or NBC or whatever it was at the time, you know, in those markets we were doing pretty well, mm. uh, and so we, we we knew we had some pent up demand for NASCAR. And we also knew that uh, from my time out there that the touring divisions were always strong. Yeah. The Winston West, mm-hmm. 
uh, Northwest Tour, uh, Southwest Tour, those touring divisions uh, th- up and down California, Oregon. I lived in Portland, Oregon for a little while, uh, worked at the Portland Speedway. Um, uh, and so I, I, I knew that, that, that the grassroots fan base was, was always there. And then we were getting drivers from California, mm. Jeff Gordon, yeah, and others uh, who. So we started to get, you know, get get that more national feel, and we, and I wanted to take advantage of that mm. for the sport. Yeah. Well, what else are you picking up other than realizing there's an appetite from coast to coast for for racing? What other practical things are you picking up when it terms of managing racetracks, facilities that you would then, in looking back realized that they were kind of beneficial for your management and your leadership styles. Well, remember, uh, mostly I was not on the, 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 the racetrack side. My sister, we were all carving out some space, and she did a really good job and, and, uh, at ISC at the time. Uh, and, of course, other track I was. So what, what, I was, what I was seeing was that when, if we could present our product to more people at further distances, we, we could do well. We mm. could do well. And if we presented that, and if we took some ideas from the other leagues that, were, that I've gotten criticized for, as you guys know, uh, through the years, but that's okay. Um, but if we took some of the ideas of how to package television, how to package licensing merchandising, uh, how to go to market uh, with corporate America uh, in a smarter way. Can can we do some of those things? Uh, and uh, and we did. We did a lot of those things, mm-hmm. and a, a lot of them worked. Uh, can we create a, a championship style format? A lot of discussion about that at the time, as you guys know. Uh, a lot of people said that can't be done, shouldn't be done. Uh, I think we all kind of look at it now and go, glad we have that because, mm. man, that's that's exciting. And, and, and everything we were doing, everything we were doing was to create a bigger pie for everyone, a bigger audience, and uh, and then eventually – and, and how do you do that? You don't just do it by marketing gimmicks or – repackaging things you do it because the product itself is on display Mm. this close tight racing that we don't always get right but we're trying right and uh, this safe competitive racing and if you go through the arc of it you'll see periods in our history where we're we're out of balance in some things we uh, one of my uh, least famous moments is uh, uh, or maybe it is famous uh, with the new car with the original new car that we had coming out of with safety that the drivers really didn't like. Yeah, uh, COT. You're sitting at the table with one of them. I, I know, <laughs> I know. And, and, uh, and I understand that now. I mean, that, that was, uh, uh, we could have done a better job of uh, in a lot of things, but that's an example of trying to, to move things in a direction. And you don't always get all that, you know, just perfect. Yeah. You moved to run NASCAR's LA office in mm-hmm. the 90s, in 1990. Or in the 90s. Late 90s, yeah. yeah. So um, that I was reading through that, and um, I remember uh, going to racetracks, and all of a sudden, you know, there was this sort of flood of, you know, race paint schemes with movies on them, you know, yeah. a lot of promotions around movies, mm-hmm. and you were part of spearheading that initiative, uh, were you not? I, I was, and... and 
think we could still do more of that. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, uh, that made us away from it. That made us feel important. You know, for yeah. lack of a better way to describe it, when we had like these major films that are coming out, Batman yeah. Forever and all these things on the hood of the race cars, multiple cars at some tracks, you'd have multiple movies on the racetrack, on the race car paint scheme. It made the sport feel bigger, made the sport feel relevant to to mainstream America. Right. Yeah. And so, um, like you say, I mean, that was that, and I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any clue that you were part of sort of that brain, you know, that. Well, that. it was me, you know, one of the things in a family business, and you know this very well, is you have this uh, incredible access to people. And I always tell people in family businesses, you know, you got to use that. You got to use that because I could get certain things done. Ben Kennedy can get certain things done that no one else is in, in the in the organization who who may be much smarter have better ideas, but they can't get some of those ideas through. But we can. You got to you got to be you know use those carefully. But you got to use those use that moment, and that's what I try to do with um, within the family business. So that would be an example of that where mm-hmm. you know a little controversial. Really, do we want to be uh, uh, married with Hollywood and, you know, all of what that could mean. And uh, the answer is, yes, we do. We, uh, we got to hire, you got to make an investment because, uh, you know, uh, that's not going to just fall into our lap. Yeah. We're going to have to put an office out there. We're going to have to hire really good people. We're going to have to pay them a lot of money. And they're going to, and we're going to uh, present the opportunity. And there goes Talladega Nights, which was mm. fun and uh, opened us up and, made a little fun at us. We took a little, little risk there. So you got to take some creative risk. But in the end of the day, it, 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 you're back to this, what you're trying to do is, are we growing the enterprise value or uh, in, in a responsible, smart way for everyone? Yeah. Knowing there are going to be people along the way that go, that's too far, that's too much. I'd rather get that criticism than, than you're making the sport smaller or you're getting... You're not looking at it big enough, or you, you know, uh, I, I, I'd rather take that criticism. Was that was that uh, our industry's biggest fault? Is that we weren't giving ourselves enough credit back then? Like we just whatever the stigma was in NASCAR before we're trying to go to Hollywood or trying to go expand. Were, were we our own worst enemies at that point in terms of expansion? Um, or maybe the better way of saying it was we were we were satisfied with where the industry was and you're like, no, no, we could be bigger. We could, we just have to take a few more risks. Right. And we have to go knock on some doors in Hollywood. We got to, we got to go put plan an office in New York. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a continual um, balance that every sport has baseball have, having it. They have it all the time. W- what is balancing your past, uh-huh. your core fan, your core existence Versus the fan of the future, and how do you marry those two? Uh, it's tough, and um, some do it better than others, and keep expanding and keeping growing. I used to have one simple th- thought: Hey, I want everybody in the country to be a NASCAR fan. Mm. So that means I got to market to certain people that are in areas that they may not take a look at us a little differently. That's how a lot of our diversity programs originally happened. They weren't because we had a lot of social pressure on us. We just thought that was an untapped market. We weren't getting in the, in the crews and the teams 
uh, at the in the executive offices. We weren't getting uh, as much as we we would have liked in terms of the talent that a, a more diverse uh, group of people might bring to us. So let's go reach out to them. Let's go reach out to historically black colleges. Let's tell them that not, not only welcome here, we need them. We need them. And we need them to be in the stands. We need them to be in the on the pit crew. We need them to be in the front office. We need them to be running racetracks. We need uh, the Hispanic. We've done a lot, and NASCAR continues to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not it, – it, there, there's a selfish motivation to – to, to, to uh, doing all this stuff and growing the pie for everyone. Is it fair to say, though, that in that expansion effort, some fans felt alienated or that there was an, uh, th- that the expansion came at the expense of some of the roots? Is it fair to say that? It is. You, you can make that argument all day long. And then if you make that argument all day long, you also won't go anywhere. Mm, You'll yeah. just stay right there. Mm. Uh, so, But it is true that... Uh, North Wilkesboro, congratulations on all that. Uh, uh, as an example of of of, of you know w- events that got moved to different places at the time, uh, and we tried to do less of that than than most of the other uh, auto racing leagues for sure. We wanted historically important events to be on the schedule. We didn't want promoters looking over their shoulder at their dates. Uh, disappearing where they wouldn't invest in the facilities yeah. and the promotion, so we tried to balance that. But but if you're trying to you know climb the mountain and grow, you're going to have some of that. Speaking of uh, that instance, I mean you, there was you know having spent some time with Marcus and talked to him about you know we've we've asked him about that you know that whole transaction of North Wilsburg going away, and I yeah. think we've kind of we've kind of changed his opinion about the the possibilities for the property and the racetrack and now it's going to be an all-star event um but you were around and and heavily involved in the sport when that when when yeah you know when they did go to texas and they were trying to you know they did buy uh you know the dates away from from wilkesboro and from you know we yeah. heard marcus's opinion about how they wanted to make that happen how did how did nascar feel about uh what what control they had over that situation um and, and racing going away from Wilkesboro and, and going to new markets. I know that the markets were exciting, but you also were leaving a historical place that you, you say, you know, that you'd like to remain in some of those places that have that historical value. Well, look, NASCAR has a lot of control over the sport. Mm-hmm. It does not have absolute control, mm-hmm. and nor, nor should it. Um, and so there are lots of things that NASCAR – We'll try to influence, we'll hope happens, but for different reasons, it doesn't. And that's a good example yeah. uh, where, uh, you know, that was bought, uh, you know, uh, or, or, uh, by Bob Bear at the time mm-hmm. uh, and others. And there was litigation that was involved yeah. and all kinds of things you, that we would have preferred not to see. But You'd have preferred that. We would have preferred not, well, we would have certainly preferred to, to have a smoother transition uh you know, yeah. uh, however, it would have been sorted out. But, um, but again, that we didn't. That we're not in control of all of that, mm-hmm. uh, and some of that stuff there's, it needs to just kind of work itself out. When you're watching NASCAR today, so I always have this conversation come up when um, there's a lot of collaboration. Our, you know, we're going to talk about the RTA, but the um, there, you know, there's the RTA now where the teams have. A, 
sort of formed a, mm-hmm. a, a you know an alliance. The drivers are now all trying to <clears throat> you know be a little bit more right. of a one single voice and have a, have a seat at the table. Obviously, we know that the networks have have gained a ton of influence over the last couple of decades. They spend the most money in the sport, which is you know rightfully for them to have that influence. But you know, even when the networks were heavily influenced, and your dad was uh, at the helm. I really, really admired the way he ran the sport. And there were moments when he literally would come to the ground floor in front of everyone and say, we're doing it this way. <laughs> yeah. And this is, that's the end of the conversation. You know, and I feel like, and I, I, I wonder sometimes if I'm just an old timer or, you know, a boomer that, you know, doesn't see really the good in where we are today. But sometimes I miss that. Sometimes I miss there being a one one guy at the top that was going to say, "All right, yeah, we're not, we're, you know, this is the end of the conversation. This is the decision we're making today, and we're moving forward." And nobody had a word to say otherwise. Or they can leave. You know, he he didn't mind that. He's like, "You can leave." You've, you've been, you know, that so well. Yeah. Having you know, oh, yeah. having grew up with him, how much of that is really necessary today? Could that, you know, I mean. How do you feel about how it's sort of changed to where we really are now more, you know, it's more of a committee, it's more of a, convers- a bigger conversation yeah. around things. Things take a lot longer to sort of get worked out and resolved. You know, the things move, thing moves much slower. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I kind of miss, I miss it being, uh-huh. you know, one guy going, you know, all right, here, here's a set of rules you got today, play by them. Well, first of all, at 48, you're not an old timer. So let's start with that. There you go. Um, you know, a lot of that is that was an era where you could have a John Wayne, yeah. my dad, and he could pull that off. And the sport benefited from that. I don't know that, uh, you know, if you go back in any sports history, you'll find people like that in the sport. Uh, that took them from one place to another, right. usually up. Mm-hmm. And uh, but in today's system, that isn't really that person really couldn't exist even if they were uh, even if you wanted them to. Right. There's just too many stakeholders that have a, a, a you know a very uh, loud and and voice. You you just can't kind of uh, believe me. Uh, when I was coming through, I would have loved to have had that kind of a you know platform to run around in. And but that just wasn't wasn't who I was anyway. But even if it was, we were getting to see. Once you bring in people that have a they're vested in there with you, and their livelihoods are at stake, and these teams get built out to super teams and these sprawling complexes and network television spending billions of dollars. Then you can't just say, "Well, the wind blew today, and I'm I'm going this way." Yeah, mm-hmm. you just can't quite do that. You have to to have a, a more of a consensus. Doesn't mean that you you, you can't put your foot down, and and, and we do. They, the NASCAR does, uh, and w- w- uh, we'll make tough decisions. But there's going to be more pushing and shoving now. Yeah, that's just the way it is. What was the um what was the time frame like when your dad was um, having, you know, his his physical issues? Um, he's, you know, you know that time is limited. Mm-hmm. You realize 
how monumental he was as an individual to the sport. Um, you're going to lose your dad. You're going to lose the leadership, and 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 it's it's going to fall on someone's shoulders. No one. Now I wasn't. I probably wasn't privy to some of the conversations that other people in the industry were. So I didn't know who was going to take over. I didn't assume it was you. I didn't assume it was Jim. Yeah. But how 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 did that process looking back? Was that a was that was that chaotic? Was it was it very controlled? Um, how are you managing having such a massive responsibility placed on your shoulders all during the time when your dad was moving out of that position? Well, it wasn't chaotic, it, but it wasn't, you know, completely organized either. So it was somewhere in between. I was living in California, and we had just done our media deals, and we were working on the things you talked about. I had a big job big responsibility. I was really happy with that. You have to remember in a family business, such as the nature of NASCAR, you, you got to give everybody some space. And well, my, my dad and I had a good working relationship. He was incredibly fair with me, I had to say. Uh, tough, but fair. Mm -hmm. But I also, you know, he was not going to retire. He wasn't going to be one of those guys. So I had carved out an area of the business where I could make the right contribution and I could get financially paid for that. I could bring everybody along. I was hiring a lot of good people. Uh, I'm so proud of that because they've gone on to do so many good things. So we were hiring talented people, growing, and he really appreciated that. My dad did, and so did Jim, so did everybody. Uh, and so I was happy. Uh, and then my dad got sick, and then that was like a... <laughs> you know, up and down, it looked like he was getting better and then something else would happen. And so uh, I, I really didn't want to push that because he was so good at what he did that that I wanted to, you know, I, I wasn't going to push that until, you know, his health got to a point where, you know, they came calling as a group to say, hey, well, you know, you'd be the guy that uh, could could make the next, you know, run here. Uh, as a CEO of the company, it wasn't something I lobbied for or needed to have in my life. Yeah. But I was. It was a great privilege. Sure. And, and an honor to do it. And so I, you know, obviously did it. So, so can I clarify that? Because Dale's question was also sort of the question I was wondering, and that was, is the lane you speak of where you identified this area in which you could really make a difference? Was this the same position where when you were named executive vice president in two thousand? Is that the position in which you were able to then negotiate the new TV package or the media yes. deal? That was that position, right? And at that time, you're saying that there were no, there were no notions that you were going to be tabbed as a successor to your dad. Like that wasn't on anyone's radar. No, we didn't. We didn't operate that way. You didn't think there of it wasn't that way. an anointment or a got it. You know, there had the, never even been a conversation of like, hey, man, you know, this, you're, you know, no, no. You know, like you see on TV, like where the, where the dad says to the son, you know, this is going to be yours one day. There was none of those <laughs> little moments. No, no, not like that. Yeah. Uh, we, we wouldn't talk that way. We, <laughs> we wouldn't have. Yeah. We, we, we would have been, hey, you got to go perform in what you're doing now. Yeah. And, and, you and know, was he, uh, and like you say, when you say he wasn't going to retire, he was hard-headed in a sense. Uh, of, of I'm, I'm doing this until I'm not doing this. Well, I think that was who he was, yeah. and, and I, I, don't, I don't think it was hard-headed. I just think that was 
who he was, and uh, he was one-dimensional in a really good way because he put everything he had into that. Yeah. And by the way, that wasn't going to be me either. I, we're different mm. people. I, I'm not going to have the kind of focus on any one thing and uh, that that he did. And, and I, I marvel at him because he he was able to do that. Yeah. I feel I know what you mean by that, man. I you know I look at my dad the same way. He was I don't know how he was able to be so so uh, clever in every instance, you know, and so so wise to be able to understand so many different things happening at once. You know, I can I can succeed in one space focusing on one thing at a time. You know, where he yeah. he could juggle so many things. He could. Um, so. Was you know was the passing of your dad a obviously emotional experience? But you know you you kind of had an idea this was coming through his health and, and his struggles. Um, how how you know how hard was that for you? You wake up one day and this whole empire is without its leader and everybody's looking at you. Did you feel pressure? No, not really. We had a real deep team at the time of really good people. Yeah. Uh, that were were really talented throughout the organization. And Who is we, the one person that comes up to you and and instantly becomes like your best ally? Yeah. Oh, I, George Pine was a real ally of mine. You know, we built things together a lot. Who's George? George was uh, was our chief operating officer at the time. He was a close friend, still is. Uh, but we had a lot of good people in the organization that were you know, have gone on to do all these incredible big jobs. Uh, and we were lucky to have, have them. So I, 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 we didn't feel pressure like that, that we were – because when we had made a transition, my dad had given up response, you know, some yeah. responsibility, and he was also good about that. My dad was good about when you – you know, you need to have this responsibility to accomplish this. Mm. And he would, uh, you know, do his best to not – uh, try to crowd his his own view into that. He he was good, a good manager that way. Even though he wouldn't be known as that, you wouldn't think he's a you know a, a Bill Francis doing that. But he was he was good about you know uh, letting you go out and do it. Uh, as an example, when we did the the first thing you had we had to do with the television agreements is get all the rights back from the tracks. Well, try that one out uh, when you go flying around the country and talking to Bruton Smith and Tony George and many others about can we pull this together because we, we need to have a single negotiating framework here. And, uh, but that's going to mean, you know, uh, and, and it's kind of like buying a car. Everybody thinks they can buy a car uh, better than somebody else, mm -hmm. right? So they don't want to give up that opportunity of going in the showroom and doing it. So they had to give up those negotiations and what was fall the, behind us. What was the pushback? Pushback was, uh, you know, we can do it better than you can. Mm -hmm. uh, the track saying tracks. that NASCAR can do it better than you. Sure, yeah. and, and, we had done, and they had done a very good job. Uh, but uh, we thought we could do, you know, together, uh, collectively, a lot better job. And that obviously was true. We took it... You know, at the time, from uh, like 100 million in, uh, to 400 million uh, from one moment to the next. That was the original deal in 2001. 
when we got the rights back. So it worked for everyone in that regard. And and that that's a situation where there's probably no one, and I don't say this because I'm a master negotiator, I'm not, um, but that was a good example of, of, of me going around to the tracks, first of all, going around internally saying, I can work with Bruton Smith. To, he will see what I see mm. and whoever else and having the confidence for my family to go, okay, you know, that doesn't sound right. We don't get a lot of cooperation from on these kind of things generally, but we'll trust you to go do that. If you're anybody but me in the organization, you wouldn't even have the conversation. They'd say, well, that's not possible. Right. And it would have just sat there. So. Yeah. You know that that that's that's how that works. I, I'm so glad to hear you say this because I was so fascinated, and I still am about that original media deal from yeah. 2000 because that felt like a huge milestone, much like the, like the 1979 Daytona 500 is a milestone in our sports history. That big TV package feels like a big milestone, and you were right in the middle of it. And it sound I, I had a question prepared because I wanted to know how long that took and what were the biggest hurdles. It sounds like it wasn't the negotiating with the networks. It was the getting the track rights and getting the cooperation from all of the different stakeholders involved before you even go negotiate with the te- television networks. It, it was getting the tracks to recognize that NASCAR had owned the rights all along, which we did. Um, and it would work better if we collect- if we collectively went to the markets at that point Every track would go to, the, to with their particular rights, you know, uh, all the time. There was always somebody selling something, and you had four different networks or five, uh, you know, at, at the time. And whoever, would, you know, they were always available. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't get a cohesive partner in there to promote your sport across their other platforms and their other things let alone the financial uh, commitment somebody was willing to make. Which was another big change, right? I mean, like, wasn't that a billion or multiple billions? Well, we did a a, a 400% increase yeah. uh, from one moment <laughs> to the next, from one year to the next. And, uh, yeah, and we're all proud of that. And then that's been the new floor, and then we we, we took it in there. I, I, you know, I think we're just under – 16, 18 billion of TV rights that we've that, uh, that I negotiated and we negotiated, and uh, yeah, we're proud of that. But you, but but if we wouldn't have done that now, I, I, gosh, you'd never be able to do that again. Yeah. So there there are moments right. in time when you look back at any part of our sport where there are just big reflection points. You know, people that had like obviously like your dad uh, who led the way, but who had magical moments, you know, with us and did something extraordinary that people go, that that changes things. That's that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, seven championships and the way that your dad did that was, you know, the intimidator and that, you know, that he could go any he could go to the National uh, Press Club in Washington and and pull it off, and then get on his tractor and be just as comfortable. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't care what everybody thought all the time. Like you know, like drivers, I think today have more of that situation. So that we were just lucky that 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 happened for us as a sport. Yeah. That kind of thing. Was it a big deal? You know, R.J. Reynolds leaves the sport um, in 2002. That was more about 
um, legal, you know, their ability to really promote. Yeah. They, and, yeah. they were kind of put in a situation legally where they couldn't no longer support the sport as a, fi- as a primary sponsor, correct? Right. And so um, y'all do negotiate a deal with Nextel to replace Winston in 2004, uh-huh. um, which was a great partner. Um, Nextel, you know, as far as I was concerned, Nextel did a lot of amazing things to it support. You know, replacing Winston was going to be difficult. Winston was, yeah. You know, we you you people knew us as the Winston Cup Series. They might not even know what Winston was, but it was right. it was our, it was an identity. Um, it was difficult for a lot of people. Change, as you would would learn throughout your career, was mm-hmm. difficult for a lot yeah. of a lot of fans. But um, I thought Nextel Nextel did an amazing thing uh, during their time in the sport. They did, and, and, but that's a good example, though that that was bittersweet because Winston not only was, as you say, integrated in our name. Uh, it was the Winston Cup Series that we were recognized as yeah. that. Uh, and then they were also good, good, good people, good partners with us, and uh, they they felt like that. They 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 kind of went. It wasn't just a sponsorship. They were part of the deal. Yeah. So they would paint the facilities and they would invest and they would do things. But there came a point where they just couldn't. They couldn't promote. Uh, their brand, yeah. And so that was that. Around the same time, Matt Kenseth wins one race. Ryan Newman wins eight in the same season, and mm-hmm. Ryan and Matt wins a championship. Yeah. So that, in a lot of people's mind, is what sort of spurred on this idea that we <clears throat> have to have a different point system or right. a different way to decide the champion. Was that really what got the ball rolling for that? That sparked it in 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 the industry's mind that man, we need to do something different here. Well, it was certainly a big. Big. Had y'all been talking about like changing the system somewhat to where we had a playoff atmosphere for some time? Well, look, um, go back to what I originally said. Everything I'm trying to do and we're trying to do mm-hmm. is to create big moments to move the sport to more people and further distances. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. What accomplishes that? Well, the first thing that accomplishes that is give drivers a moment on a bigger stage where there's more on the line, where it can happen right now, okay? Not evolving, maybe you get a big moment, maybe you don't. You know, you're not getting a big moment like you had over the weekend right. with Ross Chastain. Had we not had this, you're not getting that moment. Yeah. And one thing that I'm, you know, proud about with the teams and the drivers is they used to say, I'm giving everything I can give. It doesn't matter what is on the line. Well, that's not true. It's not true because they have dug, and I'm. it's cool to watch, truthfully. They're digging deeper. They're doing stuff that you go, wow. And that's what gives you a chance. Uh, now, remember something else. We're, I'm trying to take this thing to a bigger place, yeah. grow the pie for everyone. But while we're doing that, and this can, this is the case, you know, for Jim and others, when you're not doing those things, your competitors are. College football is doing great now. They're having a big moment. Other leagues are they're all well promoted. They're all yeah. entrenched in our in our traditions, and uh, they're getting star power. They're changing some of their stuff around. Their TV packages are bigger and better. Uh, so it's not enough to say, you know, if we're trying, if we're just trying to be another 
auto racing series, there's 30 or 40 of them around the country. Mm-hmm. If we're trying to p- make drivers household names or uh, create big opportunities uh, or have big events, big events, then you got to figure out what are all the things that are necessary to compete and do those things. Give At least give yourself an opportunity. That doesn't mean that it's all going to happen just because you create the opportunities. You still have yeah. to have stars. You still have to get the racing right. It has to be safe. It has to be uh, competitive. The networks have to do their part. It, there's a lot that has to happen that are it has to come together, but you got to give yourself an opportunity to, to let that happen. The only thing that I really ever struggled with, and I, you know, you're right about that. Uh, you know, you, Ross Chastain doesn't do what he does at Martinsville <clears throat> without a playoff atmosphere and that elimination moment. Those moments aren't created in a traditional format that we've used for decades uh, without, you know, without a playoff system. So I like, I like the playoffs, but. The only thing that I've kind of struggled with is how we expanded the playoff uh, field. Mm-hmm. You know, when it was and, – and it's happened at the Clash as well. Like the eligibility for uh, getting into the Clash changed the identity of that race. When the – you know, when the chase was 10 drivers, it was like, damn, that's hard. That's hard to get into. It's 16 yeah. now, which is almost half the half the half the half the field of, you know, of the of the of the guys that run every single week. Um, you know, to your point though, we've seen other series, other other sports expand their playoff fields as well, um, because the more people you have involved in the playoffs, the more entities that are plugged in and interested, sponsors that are part of it. Um, I yeah. feel I feel like that that was kind of the push for the for the clash was like yeah. you'd have you'd have partners coming up and going why aren't we in this race why can't we be in this race um, so I understand the pressure there but uh, so I, I never loved the fact that the chase field grew but because um, I felt like it it really made it difficult to get into and something about it being that difficult when it was limited to ten or even twelve something about it being harder made it more prestigious or more powerful, uh, the moment's more powerful, yeah. right? Well, well uh, that's a fair point. Yeah. But but remember, when we're doing that, we're also looking at the other leagues. Yeah. And so I, I think the NBA is, I want to say, 16 or 18 teams. They grew. Like and, yeah, they've all grown. They've all grown. And so we're proportioned uh, to, you know, a 40-car starting field. We're, we fit in that, yeah. rega- in, that, in that regard. So well, The other thing that I've struggled with um, – is finding figuring out okay if we if we like the playoff system <clears throat> we like the you know the three race round uh, I think it it's it's compelling it, it could be argued that it's relatively fair uh, everybody's got the same opportunity it's three races uh, you can kind of dig yourself out of a hole but I've always kind of struggled with the final race being all or nothing. Yeah, and the the reason why I struggle with that is because well the venue may suit a team or a driver, um, you know you you obviously would probably I don't I don't I won't want to say never but you you know would you 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 would never consider running it at a road course or a super speedway because that track certainly suits some drivers more than others and you try to have it at a neutral facility if you will um, like a Homestead or a Phoenix. 
But I always had a hard time with saying, okay, it's all boiled down to this one day where you've got to get it right. And if you don't, you're not a champion today or this year. Even though you've really, you know, got this amazing body of work, you can still have that guy that wins one race be the champion and the guy that won six not even make the final round. And so I wish that we could figure out a way to make that championship moment uh, not a not an all-or-nothing three-hour affair. You know what I mean? We're yeah. going to decide the champion in three hours on Sunday. It's one race, and, you know, if your bolt falls off, too bad. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've always kind of struggled with that. I've really warmed up to everything else that we've yeah. done. It took me a long time because I was too much of a traditionalist, but um, – I still feel like there's got to be a better scenario for yeah. the final moment. Well, the reason you feel that way is because those are fair points <laughs> that you make. They are. And the amount of hours led by Steve O'Donnell uh, uh, that go into that kind of decision, mm-hmm. and all of those points are made by a guy like Mike Helton. He'll make those points. Uh, and many, and others will make them. I'll make them too. I'll agree with them. And where you end up with that is that that's part of the challenge of, of a playoff format in general with uh, with auto racing. Yeah. And you're just going to have to accept that 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 that, that, that that's not as not exactly perfect. Uh, where the other leagues play on a 100 yard field and a basketball court, and it's the same basketball, and there's no – that never enters into the discussion. Oh, yeah. Uh, but with, with all the racing, golf to some degree yeah, uh, plays into that. Sure. Some courses fit, you know, a golfer different than others and longer, you know, drives and all that stuff. But that that's fair, but you, you can't – unfortunately, at least that was – my – decision was that we're not going to hold ourselves back from getting those moments uh, because auto racing doesn't quite fit perfectly into that. Yeah. We just couldn't do it. Yeah. That, that was the judgment. And it probably, even if you tried to, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of scenarios that y'all, y'all ran through uh, to, to try to, you know, come up with other alternatives, it's still going to come down to one to the final race. Every round does, right? Every round comes down to what we had at Martinsville. And so even if you said, all right, you know, the, fi- the final round between the four drivers is three races, that last race is still going to be the way things get decided. So I don't know how you – I don't know how you could go another route than or, we have. Or if but, something breaks – you just said it. If something breaks on the car yeah. uh, and it comes down to that, you yeah. know, What's the great term? The that's I, racing. I, I know. Uh, I always. I, mean, um, I, I kind of struggle sometimes with the. So the, you know, the guy that's running second, he's ten car lengths away, going into three. He, he sees the championship right in front of him, and he's you know he came so damn close. I guess that's, you know, as a driver, you know we had gotten so seasoned and comfortable with, you know we're going to run the whole year. And I'm going to know pretty much where I am in this championship thing before we even get close to the end. Mm-hmm. You know what? And it's kind of – I'm going to know whether I'm in or out of it, and I'm going to have several weeks to really come to terms with that. 
and then get my head wrapped around trying again next year. What we have now is definitely more akin to what you see in other sports where it comes down to the final second of the game. It comes down to the final, you know, the final drive. And there is elation and there is massive heartbreak that we really never experienced in a championship format that often until we have it now. You know, yeah. Now we, I mean, what the drivers go through emotionally, I've, you know, I've lived it, but talking to the drivers today, they never, ever feel this level of intensity, anger, frustration, heartbreak, elation, happiness, joy. They never have felt it in their lives until they find themselves in the playoffs. And so, you know, maybe there's something to be said about this, the well, way Well, there works. was conventional wisdom by – all teams that it you know we're going as hard as we go and we're yeah. going to do as best you know and the first time we did that in homestead and and it was and it remained this way the top four guys were usually you, you had to win the race to win the championship and the four contenders were at the front on a mile and a half track were almost always in the top 10 top five even yeah. right right and that told me, uh, I remember going down to see Mike Mike uh, about the second year into the chase, and I went, that's not true. These guys are now, there's more on the line, and they're doing something different, pushing themselves to a place that they didn't think they could push. Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Stewart's epic run back when he won the championship. Um, and and I, I said to, to our team, I said, the cool thing about this is, you know, over time, we're going to see things that make NASCAR NASCAR because of the heroic of what drivers are able to do. Like, I don't go, but their Ross Chastain was a was a incredible thing. But there are many many others where risk taking the, uh, the just the skill that you don't. It's hard, and that's the other inherent challenge in auto racing is we, we know that people who love racing get that, and they, they, get, they get a lot of everything in between. Uh, but they don't – the more we can show a casual fan something that, like, you got to be really – you're the best driver in the world to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. That right there. To win three in a row, four in a row. Uh, that – people go, I may not even be a – you know, a big, huge auto racing fan, but I respect that. I like that. They, that's, and that's what we're after. We're trying to pull that person in to take a look. Well, let's spend some time watching. But we're doing that, and this is what happens that I had to challenge my team all the time because we can get in a real vacuum in Daytona. We can be in Daytona, and we think, you know, uh, the, the, we are the number one auto racing by a lot in this country uh, and not think through as much that there is a the other leagues, they are doing these things. They are making their product safer, better. They are taking it to more people. They are making their stadiums bigger, their fan experience better. See, that's all happening around you. So you, you don't really have once you make that decision that we're gonna we're gonna be uh, a major 
uh, uh, franchise sport in this country, in this country, once you make that deal, be careful what you ask for because it requires you to do a lot of things that, you know, if you're uh, the NHRA or, or, or many other series, they're not going to have to worry about some of those things. Making some of those decisions, those risks, those expansions, or whatever—they don't have to do that. Uh, and that's that's what what makes NASCAR uh, great. It also makes it difficult to manage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to get everything right because uh, it's a, it, there's a lot on the line. Can, can I just add two things on all this uh, to Dale's points about the playoff system? One is. I, I don't think anybody's ever thought that it was a perfected science, certainly, and that's just not in racing, that's in every sport, which I don't think that this is too dissimilar from other sports. You can easily have a wild card NFL team catch, you know, momentum and get hot at that time and sail all the way to the Super Bowl, whereas the, you know, undefeated, yeah. you know, regular season team gets beat in a divisional playoff or something like that. That's all still possible and likely. The other thing I wanted to ask you, going back to his point before that about the expansion of the field, is it not true that the expansion to from 10 to 12 and then therefore was because it increased the chance of getting your stars into the playoffs, to which Dale was one of them? Sure. That, I mean, I remember sure. the year it yeah. wasn't – it might have been the 2005 or six. Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. were both at risk of not making the field. And I – if I remember it correctly, the field expanded right after that because I don't think either one have made it. Well, we Is don't do right? it for one driver, of course, but 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 the idea that you say uh, to, to not leave somebody out in a given year, sure. But but here, here's what breaks the tie internally at NASCAR: is how do we stack up? With other playoff formats and other, do we have too many? Is it fifty percent of the of the field uh, of the teams in the NFL go to the playoff? Go to the playoffs? Is it forty? Is it thirty? We're right in a good spot. We're yeah. right where everybody else is. We're not overloaded where the whole field goes in and you know uh, yeah. that kind of thing. We're in a good place. But so that allowed us to expand it. But sure, those just look everything you're thinking that happens. If you're trying to grow the pie, well, why would they do that? You bet we're going to put that on the table. It still has to pass the litmus test of being equitable and reasonable and fair and uh, tra- balance and traditions. But we're taking all of that stuff and putting that on the table, and they and you know, and that's what gives me uh, the optimism about what's happening now, even though there may be some bumps in the road with NASCAR. They're, they think that way. They're thinking all the time about, you know, about how do we get this, this right for everyone. And starting with the, 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 the uh, product on the track, and I think they've done a really good job and with the new car. I know it's, uh, there's always some things they're trying to improve, but uh, compared to how on my watch that they, they've done an incredible job through COVID and all the things gives me a lot of optimism that, you know, the sports and, you know, my uncle's doing a great job and Steve Phelps, yeah. they're all doing a really good job. So that was, um, that was something I, I wanted to touch on. Um, the, how old were you when you became a CEO? 
oh man, I was in my forties. Yeah. That'd have been two thousand three. Yeah. And so how was it decided that you would be the CEO and not Jim in that situation? You know, and that you were how was it decided that mm-hmm. you know, it just seemed like to me in that moment it made the most sense that Jim would be would run it after your dad, that you would eventually be in that position. Uh, it almost seems like it ba- it went backwards, whereas now Jim runs it, you know. Yeah. And he is, you know, his Jim's great. He's amazing. He's still sharp, mentally focused, tons. He's amazing. Right. But, but his, you know, his prime as an operator were in the years while you were at the helm, and it just seems like to me, and pers- personally between us, it, yeah. was, it went backwards. Now, um, you know, was, I, I guess there's probably you don't have much of a thought to that, but um, I was just kind of well, surprised you? at that. I was well, surprised I, I, I do. Jim actually is in his prime now. Yeah, uh, for my me watching Jim. Yeah, uh, he's in his prime now. That, that's my uh, ages aside and all that stuff, and um, I, I think he cares more um is focused more uh, than i i've ever seen him yeah. so uh, that's number one uh and, and uh yeah I, you know I, I i don't exactly remember i know jim had also had a big focus you know on isc yeah. at the time and, and there was probably the thought that that might just detract as a publicly traded company but but he's in his prime now okay yeah. Which is good news. Yeah, I mean he's plugged in, no doubt. He is. Um, you know, and I that uh, you know I how you know in talking to Helton and other people about you know having you come on the show, Mike's always been really complimentary of you. You know, and it, over the years, I love Mike. Trust everything the man tells me. Whatever he says goes. And you know we would yeah. we, I would have conversations or questions to him about you. And he would say, "There's a lot of great things that he does that people don't know about, and there's a lot of things happening yeah. in the sport that that are that are that Brian's fingers are on that that he won't get credit for." But um, I guess you know what is your current communication? I hear that you know that you and the family are as tight as ever. People want to know, um, yeah, you know, like where how how much conversation do y'all have about the sport? What's your interest in it these days? Well, I don't have a formal role. Okay. Uh, with NASCAR at all, and uh, so I'm, uh, but I'm helping anybody. I'm helping when I can, uh, and my relationship. I always say everybody ought to have a uncle like Uncle Jim. He, he's just been, uh, uh, you know, one of the great people in my life, truthfully. Uh, and uh, and my sister, uh, she's doing a really good job. Um, uh, I have a good relationship with her. Ben, I think, uh, I think he has the best temperament of any of the family members <laughs> yeah. to come through. I really do. I yeah. think he has, you know, he's got the driver experience, and that's going to be helpful. But his temperament of how he goes about what he does and how he thinks about things is so much better than where I was. In what way? Well, he's uh, more measured. He's more calm. He doesn't get up or down. He's got way more humility than any <laughs> than me. Uh, but than any ten people I know.
Uh, and uh, I, I would ask stories about when he would travel with some of our guys and and uh, and no, he doesn't want to do that. He just wants to be with everybody. He's, he's not doing it that way. He's doing it with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And if you just go about that, uh, and, and you know, and he cares, and he really is into it. Uh, so that's for me. Uh, my life has worked out perfectly because yeah. I get to watch him help him when I can, uh, and I'm getting the fun part of being a, a, a fan. And uh, it was a tremendous privilege that I had, uh, you know, just to be in our family to have an opportunity, the opportunities that I had. I did a lot with those opportunities. Yeah, I brought everybody along. Everybody went on to, to work with me to do really cool stuff and really good things out in, in sports and business. That's cool for me to see. We had a lot of success. Uh, we made mistakes, uh, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's not even about me. Because you know, whoever, it, it, after Jim will be somebody else. It, you know, whoever that will be. And we're all just... You know, so fortunate to have an institution like NASCAR. We're just making sure we do our part, and that's what was always instilled on me. And I'm sure Ben, I know he feels that way. Jim certainly does. Lisa does, and that's that's how we that's how our family looks at at owning NASCAR. Yeah. Do you think um, looking at the notes about you know all the TV deals that you had a part in negotiating? Uh, there's a new negotiation coming right around the corner. Yeah, you know, um, do you feel, um, do you feel like that your your knowledge and your um, your success in those deals in the past will be, uh, you know, that you'll be um, privy to the conversations and the and the influence and have some, you know, have some influence on the approach to the new negotiations that'll be going on? Because I would imagine, like, you know. Yeah. Even though you don't have a formal role, knowing everything that you know about the sport, you know too, you know enough that you you would, yeah. I would want you at the you know if I was Jim, I'd want you in the room or yeah. I'd want you understanding consulting, at consulting least. Yeah, yeah one way or another about how to how to get us uh, in the in the best position possible. Well, nobody has a bigger supporter than Jim does with me. I, I'm I, I'm he knows that and. <laughs> Uh, and and I'll give him my view. He'll ask me, and I'll give it to him. Uh, but they also have to have a management team that operates under his leadership with him. And whether it whether it's I'm the former CEO, and uh, I have to to give everybody has to understand that that, that they've got their roles, and that mine is to be to help when I can. And uh, we didn't even have to sit, talk about that as a family. That we just, we're professionally run and you just can't have it. Or, or just, we're, let's bring Brian back for this part of it or right. what, it just can't work that way. Right, that's right. And so I gotta support them when I can. Uh, and not just them, but other people in the industry. Uh, and, uh, and if they do something that I thought was crazy or something, I, I tell them. We talk about, um, you know, the highs and lows and the temperament. Um, and, uh, you know, I never, we don't know each other that well. I never really saw 
the your highs and I never saw your lows. I never saw your angers or frustration. Yeah. You would hear things about you being angry about this or frustrated with that. Yeah. Um, how did you, um, you know, how were, how were you with that in, in, in truth about, you know, there was a moment in, in, uh, 2012 post-race Talladega. Oh, yeah. Tal- right. Dale caught it bloodthirsty. I got the out of the car and said the sport was bloodthirsty. We had a big crash on the last lap and I said something. The rumor gets back to me that that personally pissed you off. And so I guess, you know, not the answer to that, but like, were there moments when you had a hard time not taking something personally? You know, if if uh, Hamlin Denny complains about the product on the track, you know, and gets a gets a fine behind, you know, under the table penalty or something, uh, you know, we all would just assume, okay, well, that must have made Brian mad, and and he decided to make a decision <laughs> on his own to penalize this driver, right? Um, were there moments when you when you had a hard time not letting it get personal uh and because there was some volatility you know there was some there was some moments that were volatile there was a lot of you know in 08 09 2010 drivers started talking more we all started complaining more louder more publicly social media became a thing fans mm-hmm. right the, yep. fans are now chiming into those conversations we're you know you you could see the fan and the driver steer the fan the fan steer the driver all this <laughs> stuff became a bigger challenge for you you know yeah. Well, look, the answer is, of course, I got pissed. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, sure I did, and uh, and and it what and it is personal. Uh, it's my profession. It's what we do, and it affects it. So and it, uh, it affects other people. So, you know, I had some reaction to that that kind of thing. Yeah. I used to say, now, to you know, I always put the restaurant analogy out there. That you can't own a restaurant and and go out on the sidewalk and say, "Hey, re- food's terrible in you know inside," <laughs> but we'd love to have you. Yeah. Love to have you. It doesn't work that way. And has uh, got a but, point. Yeah. But, but I also but I also realize that you know drivers have other issues. Uh, you know uh, they're not going to be quiet about safety. That's that's for sure. They're not going to be quiet if they think there's a a performance thing that they're getting the short end on. Uh, and uh, so there could be a fine line about, well, they're not really calling my food terrible. Well, that time they did. So then I'm going to get pissed. Yeah. But but a lot of times, you know, people will try to calm me. Then, well, I think that, that that was right out of an accident, you know. And Mike was good about that. Mike would be mm. – the calming factor yeah. in a lot of that stuff. That's you know? what I heard about that particular incident. Uh, incident uh, at Talladega was that when I said that to the broadcast, um, you got really pissed off and were like, "We, I don't, you know, I want, I want to send a message to Dale not to say that again." And Mike said, "Maybe we don't do it this time because I think Mike was privy to some injuries that I'd suffered in the crash or whatever." But um, well, hold on. Do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So when Dale called the sport bloodthirsty. After uh-huh. the Talladega crash, do you remember your specific reaction to that and when it was? Well, it was. It wasn't just him. I mean, we had a bunch of people oh. getting out, screaming and yelling, and uh, never going back to Talladega. Yeah, you yeah. know, all of that stuff. And uh, uh, and we own Talladega, so we're like, hold on a minute. And they're telling me never to go back, not even to come back and try our restaurant. They want us to walk by and close the doors. And, <laughs> Uh, so no, I look. Uh, it just goes with the territory too. 
And if you're me, all I'm trying to do is get people to think and do what I need you to do. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm trying. As the CEO of the company, I'm just trying to get individuals to say the right thing at the right time. And that's not going to happen in a big organization like NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and by the way, it shouldn't because people, you know, it doesn't work that way. But generally speaking, I just want, if you're going to complain about it, try to do it in a way that doesn't burn the house down. Uh, mm. and sometimes the, that, that wouldn't always get done right. And so I'm going to have a reaction to that. Yeah. Can I ask how long it would it take? And let's just keep using that as an example because it's fun for me. Uh, to, to use Dale as an example here, but how long would it take you to typically get over or get past that? Or did you get past it? Well, some people I didn't. Uh, ah. And yeah, no, I didn't. It, it, look, it was personalities and people didn't like me uh, for different reasons. It didn't, we didn't, we didn't jive. Well, uh, you know, you and I didn't really talk that much. We, we, I always had a lot of respect for you, but we didn't, you know, you had a better relationship with Mike, which was great. Um, with some of the other drivers, you know, uh, we just didn't agree on things, and you know, and and then it gets it can get personal. Sure, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to make it personal because all I want you to do is to get you to a place to help us grow the thing. That's all I want you to do. Yeah, and I want you to make a lot of money. I want you to have a great experience. I want you to have all. If you're talented, I want to see you go. Go up to the moon. And matter of fact, with most drivers, I would have been the other way around. I would have been pushing them to, to show more emotion. Okay, we're talking about, you know, criticizing the sport or something like that. That's one thing. But most of the time, I'm on a campaign to bring out Jimmy Johnson's personality uh, or uh, bring out whatever it is to 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 because all I'm trying to do is grow the sport to more people at further distances. So however you can help me do that, you know, I'm just trying to get you to do that. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Every day. You mentioned mistakes. Um, would you say that the car of tomorrow was one of those? <laughs> or what what when you talk about mistakes that were made, what are some of the things that you think you could have could have done better or would like to have seen well, done differently? The way we did the car of tomorrow was a mistake. The reason we did it was the right reason. It was it was sure. right off of all of the, including the, your tragic tragedy with your dad. But it came off of all that, so you know, that's why we primarily did it. And it was to be innovative in a safety, good, smart way. But we didn't get the collaboration with the teams that they did the last time, the last number of gen. Uh, gen uh, whatever cars are up to now. Yeah. Uh, and we were a little cavalier about that. Uh, we did a really good job getting safety collaborations, whether it's the Hans device, safer barriers, crush zones in cars, lots of inputs. Uh, we had the big, the first safety summit in uh, Indianapolis at the time. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of great things continued. The R&D Center was born from that. Uh, all great things that continue to today. But in those process of doing that, we could have gotten more collaboration on that, and we paid mm. a price for that. Yeah. What do you think the price was? It was it, I mean, you're talking attendance, TV ratings, all those things? Well, that one was, hey, the cars don't look good. Yeah, yeah. So my restaurant doesn't even look good. Forget the food. Yeah. I'm going to walk in and I'm not even going to like my seat. 
So I don't like what they've done. The cars can't keep me driven, so the racing's going to be bad. And uh, and you had a number of people saying that. Yeah. So that's a bad headwind for any sport. Hmm. And going back to what I always say, I'm just trying to get you to, to not say that. I'm trying to get you to say something else because uh, that's not going to help us do what we need to do. And so, but that's the... That's the tricky part of the role, and you know, Jim has got that now, uh, or whoever has, whoever yeah. is sitting in that seat, has that coming at them uh, as they're going along. Yeah. Well, then when you go back and say that y'all got that wrong, or maybe whatever, I got that. That was you, that was more me. You have to put that one what, on me. Then really? what part? Then yeah, what sure. part? What part did you get wrong specifically? Was it the fact that the drivers weren't on board, or was there some truth to what they were saying about the car? No, my job would have been to lead the team at the R&D center to get make sure that the drivers have the, the right amount and the team owners and everybody else has, uh, you know, that's why driver councils and many other things were born out of that. Do they have the right inputs? Because we mm. were still going off of my dad, who was more of a, you know, we're going this way, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so we're, we're changing into a different era. Uh, I'm now at the helm. We're coming off of big safety uh, challenges that we, a lot of people didn't think we could overcome at the yeah. time, um, and we're 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 doing all those things, and now we're going to put the most important thing forward, which is the car. Well, you know, you better get a lot of inputs on that. Uh, even though you're direct, I always say we got to be directionally right. Uh, that's number one, and we were directionally right, but in this case, it required more inputs. We didn't get them, and that's on me. That's not on. And so the. You know, a group of people. If you'd had, you know, handful of drivers in the in the room, they feel like they got involved in the development of this car, so they're going to go out and they won't all over it because they actually were part of the process. Yeah. You know, and I agree with that in a sense, like um, trying to, you know, when anytime you're kind of going to try a new thing, a redesign of a racetrack or come up with the, you know, the format for a, for an all-star race, you should include the, the drivers, maybe one of the most opinionated drivers, and allow him some influence so when he, he can walk out on that media stage and tell everybody that he likes it. And then no one else, no other driver is going to step up to the podium and go, this is bull because none of them are going to say that to that driver's face or in that, you know, the, the drivers won't go at each other in the media about, you know, their opinions of the race car, their opinions of the format. Once you get one driver on your side, you almost have all of them in a sense. Um, and I feel like you're right about that in terms of like, if you'd have had, you know, I think if you'd had more collaboration on the COT, it would have probably looked physically different, but also the drivers and everybody would have felt like, you know, even if it did end poorly, they would have had some involvement and responsibility with that and might not have been so vocal about it negatively, Was you think? I do. But, again, the what what these are the risk things that you do. We didn't have to do a new car uh, at the time. We weren't in the – now, safety would have told you that you probably need to do that. Yeah. Um, but we didn't have to reinvent it the way we fully did it. Yeah. Um, but that's all part of taking risk, and we're not going to get everything just perfect. Uh, yeah. And it's also a fragmented industry, uh, and you know it was then, and it is now. You still have 
a lot of independent stakeholders. And so getting the right amount of them at the right time, uh, not too much where it slows the process down, but enough to get buy-in, you know, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not as easy as it looks. Yeah. None of it is as easy as it looks. Yeah. So um, one of, we had Jeremy Mayfield on the show earlier this year, and your name came up a lot in that conversation. Um, and, yeah. And, you know, and, and uh, I guess was that one of the moments – that came that that got real personal we talk about things getting personal and that drug on and on and on and that was a that was kind of a problem for nascar a problem for you that wouldn't go away easily um you know when you look back on that jeremy feels like that it was personal that it was a one-on-one battle between you and him he views it as as nothing you know nothing more than that that it was orchestrated in a sense. Um, you know, is that something that even crosses your mind today? No. Yeah. I got, I, th- uh, back then and now, I got a lot of things going on in my life. And being in a personal duel with, yeah. with, a, with Jeremy <laughs> Mayfield was never one of them. Uh, no, uh, that, uh, that, you know, I hope he's doing well. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was never personal. Can I ask then, with that in mind, can I go back just for a second, not to go back to Jeremy Mayfield, but I do want to ask you about the drug policy implementation of that time. Because Dale even yeah. said during that that interview with Jeremy was that there was anxiety with all the drivers because of the lack of knowing what the banned substances were or anything like that. So my question to you is, should NASCAR have been more transparent and at least communicated with the drivers better during that time? Remove Mayfield from in, in his situation, yeah. but I'm just talking about with all the drivers and how that whole policy was implemented. No, I don't, I, I, I think they were appropriate. Um, I think uh, we, you know, you got me- people's medical privacy, so um, that goes on uh, in that. Um, the so number one, number two, we were transparent. Um, and it's an evolving, you know, uh, category of, of challenges for any sports league. You know, what's performance enhancing, what's, uh, you know, going to do something on the track that, you know, changes your, your reaction times, all those things. We, we, but we, we were doing best, as we always did, we were doing best practices with, you know, with, with terrific uh, experts in the field. Uh, and uh, it evolved uh, from 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 that as it, as all uh, policies have ha- have in every other sports league. But we were consistent with most of the other leagues. And yeah, uh, you can go to the Mayfield thing or whatever. And I know that wasn't your point, but no, I I, I think we we got pretty good outcomes and have had very little problem with that. Truthfully. Uh, uh, and I think it's worked out fine. The issue at Richmond in 2013 with the playoffs, yeah. um, you, everybody points to you as basically being the guy saying, we're going to put Jeff Gordon in the field, uh, in the playoff field. Everybody, you know, they had the – yeah. there was a big mix-up, uh, a couple things going on there. Um, you know, Clint Boyer spins out, brings out a yellow. Mm-hmm. You got – you know, Ty Norris on the radio, uh, Vickers is pitting. All this eventually gets Truex into a wild card spot. 
there was a lot of penalties that came from that. But there was another thing going on uh, at one point in the race where uh, uh, yeah. front row motorsports driver Gilliland gave a spot to Logano, allows him to get in, knocks Gordon out, right? And y'all, y'all through y'all's investigation of all of this, you decide you're going to plug Gordon back into and make it a 13 man playoff. Yeah. Uh, do you do you, was that like a group committee decision to like this is the best thing going forward is we need to add Jeff or was that like uh, something you you could make that decision well, on your own? All decisions like that would be in a group forum. Yeah. Obviously, I had to make I had to be the one that carries the room, if you will. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was a tough one because yeah. that we had an unprecedented thing that occurred with a new format. Uh, where uh, I think it was Michael Waltrip's team, and uh, uh, we're, we're, we're gaming the system. Yeah. And so we had to send a huge message that that, that cannot occur. Uh, uh, that's our credibility, and that's, you know, that's a red flag. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, we, we there was a remedy, which we ended up doing, to put Gordon into his rightful place if that didn't happen. Because uh, it was we, we we demonstrated it clearly did, and uh, we we had the opportunity to make that right. We knew it would be controversial, but we, you know, doing the next right thing sometimes is just doing the next right thing, and then you take the rest of the, you know, fallout from that if, yeah. if you can. Sometimes you can you want to do the next right thing, but circumstances do not allow you to. We could plug him into the third and wouldn't have put anyone else out. Uh, but would but but it would have put him in. We thought that was the right thing. If to anything, do. you could have just replaced Truex with Jeff. Had y'all ever considered well, that? Well, yeah. that would have gotten even more controversial. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we did the least amount of damage. Was there? Is there to try con- to reinstate him? So a lot of things that people probably don't realize. There's a lot of. Con- I mean, I'm certain that Michael Waltrip Racing is ringing the phone every hour trying to complete their case. You got also, you know. Big giant corporations like Napa and you know all these other sponsorships that are in, given the opportunity, you know, pleading their case as well about how this could affect. Yeah, them but you got to remember once once we know you've crossed the line like that, you're not a be you're not pleading your you're pleading your case for the least penalty. Yeah, mm. you're not pleading your case for anything because yeah. we don't want to hear from you. If you go that far. Uh, it's it's about how hard we're going to hit back because that's that can't happen. Yeah. In um, hindsight, so, though, do you wish that had gone differently, or not in terms of how the race unfolded, but how you guys responded? In other words, do you wish you had the Jeff Gordon uh, putting adding him to the playoffs? Do you wish you'd have done that differently? Well, I mean, no. I mean, uh, I think we did. We're always going to look at rank the the options and. I'm not saying that we make every selection perfect once, but there's a lot of deliberation. Well, what if we did that? Is that, the, you know, I always go, well, what's the right thing to do? Can we do the right thing? Sometimes you can't make things right by doing the next right thing. Sometimes you can. All of it is controversial. It's controversial. The, why are we even in this position? Right. I mean, by the way, we're making the nightly news uh, with Brian Williams, and we're, we're it's like, you know, is NASCAR uh, uh, the World Wrestling Federation? Is this going to happen every week? Right. Can we rely on anything? When you get into that ball, ball game, it's 
it's lights out for, for any league can't cannot survive those too many of those. Yeah, so we're yeah, going to yeah. come down pretty aggressively, and we did, and I think we those, made it right. I think those are important words to hear, considering what we went through in the Roval this you know couple week couple races ago with Cole Custer and them. They came, yeah. they, you know, they yeah. it was it's a similar sort of manipulation, if you will, and to understand like that, you know, they came down really hard on Cole. You know, they didn't alter what benefit it was to Briscoe. Um, which I feel like is the right decision, but w- this is a good. Brian makes a good point as to like, man, you can't have many of those instances happen. So you have to try to dam up the creek to stop it from happening again. You know, send the message, send a very strong message to to teams in the future because, like you say, you know, you you risk a lot of credibility issues if you have that occurring all the time. That that's that, that's right, and so. I, it reminds me of I think it was a what was that football team, um, SMU, that got the the uh, big penalty, the lost, death penalty. Yes. Yeah. Back in the eighties. Yes. Yeah. I re- so there was a thirty for thirty or something. Yeah. I watched about that and it really reminded me because it was le- very similar sort of result in in terms of Michael Walter bracing, you know, and how it kind of you know failed that team. Going yeah, forward, and put, yeah, you know, they didn't. They didn't recover. They didn't recover. They didn't recover. Uh, I mean, listen, this is all actually a good point. Richmond is a good example of a conversation that we just had recently, and that is every week it seems like NASCAR gets scrutinized over the severity of reaction, right? Uh, whether it's a penalty or whether yeah. it's a response to a driver or whether whatever it is. And most recently, we had Martinsville. We had Ty Gibbs. You know, sending his teammate into uh, into a wall, and then we on the last lap and dictating the outcome, not just of a race but of a championship. Now that's not NASCAR's place to govern. That almost feels like Joe Gibbs. But then you've also got Ross Chastain whirling that thing around on the wall, and now we're like everybody's sort of looking to NASCAR like, okay, what are you going to do? What are, you, what are they going to do? Are you going to make a rule? We're going to make a rule for Phoenix. We're going to make a rule. And, like, and, and every week there's a reason to scrutinize or re- wait for a reaction. And so I, I don't know. Where's the line? Where is that even unfair or fair to, to the governing body to have to be involved in every little nitpicky thing of, of every week? Well, we've been doing this a long time. So, Jim. Mike, all those guys—they—they—they they, they know where the lines are, and they're—they're—they'll uh, step in when they need to. It'll be severe if if you're going to alter the the outcomes of events. That's going to be severe, no matter who's in charge. And uh, the rest of it, you know, uh, it's a little bit of auto racing. There's a lot of things that happen, and the mechanical, and then things like riding around the wall like that—that that no one's ever seen that before. But yeah. I don't—I think that was. Well, there's anything to regulate there. I think you applaud that and move on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> is it fair to say that for you, the credibility of your sport was always uh, a determining factor in how you responded personally? Oh, no doubt about it. And, and you you take that personal. You know, it, it, it's that's you know, if you're the commander in chief of something, that that's like the safety of the of the country. Yeah. You know, right? Uh, and so you're going to take that real real. That's in the culture. Around 2014, LA Times reports that um, that you're not at the racetrack on the race weekends. Um, did you think that you know that was a 
a fair assessment? Did you feel like that you needed to be at the racetrack? What I have, was I have never understood that whole thing yeah. in my life. That was that was a big I, conversation for a while. I, I, you know, and I I don't know how many games any commissioner makes or doesn't make, or I have no idea. I've never heard that complaint until me, but it was always interesting. Yeah, uh, as if I wasn't engaged, and anybody that was working for us would tell you if you ever sat in one of our planning meetings or meetings. Uh, uh, who was engaged? There would be a there wouldn't be any confusion there. But I never understood that, um, you know. But so be it. You know, Mike. Mike. Um, I asked Mike one time, and this wasn't that long ago. Um, but he said that, you know, even though you might not be physically standing here in the garage, that you were more involved than ever, and and people would be really taking a you know people would be really uh, surprised and and appreciate. Um, how plugged in you were and how aware you were of everything that was happening in the in the sport um and i think a lot of people you know would see your dad was you know Mm -hmm. maybe this isn't entirely true but it felt like you know your dad was always in the garage always up in the holler always somewhere where you could you could physically reach him you know and everybody has a different style of how they do things and manage and that you you're i'm not my dad you're not your dad um uh, but you didn't feel like that your interest in physically being there changed at all throughout your your time as ceo i I was never going to be that guy that was there on a friday and staying all the way through and visible it wasn't about me I never looked at that about, it wasn't about me. It was about, are we doing the things that we need to do as a sport? And if I need to be there uh, seven days a week at the track, uh, sure. If if that's what I needed to do for us to be successful, I would have done it. But that isn't what we needed. Uh, I know I got a lot of criticism for that. Yeah. You know, know, look, everybody's got to balance their... uh, you know uh, their their personal life uh, and what they're doing. They got a pers- the responsibilities changed in my my deal. But look, that's just stuff that you know it's going to get some criticism. And you know uh, I let our performance, what we got accomplished. Uh, uh, I kind of smile about that now. Looking back at it now, like wow, I don't, I don't I I judge all the commissioners to myself. I'll look at who's who I think is doing a really good job. I never ask. How many games did that guy go to? I mean, I just yeah. don't, even understand. I don't even understand. Yeah. It. Well, don't you think, though, there might have been um, – I mean, listen, at, in 2007 through 2009, the sport sort of started hitting some some situations that yeah. I think were mostly contributed to the fact that they, we had a recession. Yeah. We had an economic recession, right? So now you have teams – that are you know starting to struggle and just yeah. basically our, our our foundation that we yeah. took for granted for all that time is starting to you know have a little bit of a crackage right yeah. and so when that happens doesn't you know people start looking for bl- who to blame sure sure that, that, that that's part of it and uh, and I was willing to you know look you got to take criticism if it wasn't going to be that for me you know well he's not at the tr- well he he doesn't do that well or he's not engaged in this part of the business or to me i was you're always going to get that um when things go poorly even when things go well you know 
well, he didn't look after me. You know, he wasn't, he didn't get that right and get me right. And so you just got to know, and you know, Jim's getting that now. Yeah. Uh, almost all of it's unfair, but you'd expect a guy like me to say it's unfair. Uh, that's I would. Just, yeah, you would. And, yeah. and it goes, but that goes, I don't really care about any of that. All I want to do when, when, when it's me running it is get us to a place, to a better place. So I don't really get too focused on that. Other people do. Yeah. I just, you know, privileged to be in the spot, trying to hire the best people we can we can to make an impact on our sport, to manage the complexities that are happening, uh, empower those people, which that's how I managed. Uh, and by the way, Mike Helton, who does go to every event uh, or most of them, and he loves that. He's really good at it. You know, you don't need four Mike Helton's walking around. Mike yeah. Helton's Mike Helton. Yeah. And and we Mike and I and people don't realize this. They don't. Know, I, he's. Uh, I used to tell people in our company all the time, who weren't getting along, and they were they're banging in each other and <laughs> the normal stuff that people have when their careers are going. This. I said, hey, you don't have to have a lot in common with somebody you're working with. I said, take Mike. Mike lives on a farm. I would never live on a farm. <laughs> Mike wears cowboy yeah. boots. I don't wear cowboy boots. Yeah. Mike goes hunting. I don't go hunting. Mike, Mike <laughs> and I are really close. I have a huge amount of respect for Mike Helton. We have very little in common in those those kind of things, right? And and, and so, and I always would, would tell uh, people the words: Can you be successful by yourself? Do you need that person? Hmm. Okay. Can you be? And they'd say, Well, no, no, no. Well, good. Then, then we're going to work together. We're going to get this. this going. That's how I did things. I managed things that way. I almost think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't in that case. Because really, again, when the foundation starts to have cracks, you can be accused for just as much the opposite. Oh, Brian just wants to be in front of the camera. You know, he's trying to be a Vince McMahon, or he's trying to do this, right, or trying yeah. to that. Like, you can be damned either way you go do that, and you're just saying, you know, you tried not to let that affect you. Hey, here's the good news. It wasn't about me. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't I, about me anyway. I uh, I know what you're trying to say. I feel like that had um, every time that Mike, every time I've talked to Mike about, you know, you talk about Mike being great at it, Mike being, uh, you know, able to go to the track and engage and be the guy. Um, I feel like that. Um, er, I want. I don't. I can't speak for everybody, but I wanted you to succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I don't care um, who the who's. Yeah. In, I don't care who's in charge. I want it to work, and I want it to succeed, and 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 so I wanted that to. I, and I wanted people to have the opinion of you that you deserved. We've talked about all the things that you've been involved in, and how you yeah. helped. For, how you helped move us forward in a lot of different ways, and Mike would share that with me over time. And I just feel like that had I seen you more standing with Mike in that garage during those times when the floor underneath us was yeah. uneven, I I would have really liked to have seen that. I would have really I would have put a smile on my face to have just physically seen more of you. I, I hear you, and, and and you know I'm balancing a lot of things at the time, but I get it. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So um. Race Team Alliance. Yeah. You know, that's kind of come on and been this big thing. Mm-hmm. 
um, it's it's put the teams in a position to have a little bit of leverage. Um, how much we're about to find out. You know, what's your opinion of the teams being organized in a way? Uh, what's your what's your feeling? You know, because that I think that that. You know, you had you had said things in the past about the 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 the, the owners being very important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you'd always valued the teams and the owners in a in a in a unique way, um, and understood their understood their value to you and to NASCAR. But um, I go back and forth with the race team alliance in terms of where I feel like that their their lane is right. And do you do you? Um, do you, you know, and that also is going to lead us to talk about the charter system and how that's mm-hmm. developed and what what, yeah. what what that what that's brought to the sport. But race team alliance, I know that you weren't, and your dad were never a great fan of the drivers unionizing, the drivers organizing in any way. Um, you do like driver councils to be able to have everybody come in the room and talk about safety and how to move competition forward and so forth. Yeah. The the race team alliance to me. Uh, is sort of a blend of the two. Well, look, we've always, I, I, I've always, uh, and I know Jim shows, want the drivers and the teams and all the stakeholders to have a, a very good big voice uh, at the table. Uh, it's because that's why we're doing this. We're doing this to grow things for everyone. And the question is, you know, uh, is there a better way to do things? Uh, you know that they have those discussions, and whether you need to do that through the RTA or individually uh, uh, or a small group, a big group, it doesn't really. To me, it never really mattered. We need to if there's a better way to do something, we we need to take a good look at that and try to accomplish it together. If you just want to come in and take, you know, a bigger piece of a slice out of that guy's deal or that guy's deal, then that gets, you know, anybody can do that. There's not much creativity there. <laughs> uh, anybody can do that. Um, you don't uh, – that doesn't help anyone. Uh, but what does help everyone is to get a, get all the voices at the table, and I think they're at the table. Yeah. So you think that – the race team alliance will always serve a, a, a positive purpose going forward. I mean, do you think that there'll ever be a time to where the the, the disagreements could become pretty uh, personal? I mean, just you know, rec- I worry about that because yeah. you know, just recently the race team alliance went a little public about some of the yeah, discussions that. and conversations. Yeah, yeah I hope not. Yeah. Uh, I I I uh, I think it's there's always going to be a little. Uh, pushing and shoving uh, in and around TV negotiations, in yeah. and around uh, different periods where, you know, it, you're up against the wall a little bit uh, with the economics of, of – of, this has been a – we're in a long – you know, we look at things out over 10-year horizons and, and longer. Uh, so it's not uncommon. Uh, every league has – you know uh, those voices that come out and say we we should do this or that or uh, you know uh, I don't want to put labels on any of it because it doesn't really matter. It's just mm-hmm. it, 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 it's we've had a, a a good formula that's worked. It's the best one in auto racing, uh, and that's the other thing is that people will want to pull 
other leagues into, well, it should be more like football or more like this. Or, well, if we could be football, we would be. We're not football. And we're not set up that way. We don't have public, uh, we don't have cities building stadiums uh, for our teams uh, to, to race around. We don't have that luxury in, in that. Um, so the, the whole model is, is different. We're more of the golf model, if you will. Uh, uh, and it just has to, but the, the amount of discussion going back and forth, uh, it's generally unhelpful when, when you do that publicly. I think it's unhelpful. Mm. Uh, I, I, I know that led by Jim, uh, Jim is an open-minded guy. Uh, he, he will look at a better way to do things and a better way to uh, take care of everyone or, or move things around. He will look at that. Hey, as an, I ask this question as an independent observer like we all are and as a fan of the sport, but also I'd, I'd love to just know your perspective on this TV deal. Like, so we, we can just say you're not in the negotiations. You're not, you know, no, th- th- this just is, I'm not. as an independent <clears throat> observer, though, like we all are, what do you think we should suspect or expect out of the next TV deal? There's going to be something that surprises us or something that's different. What do you think that could be? Well, I mean, I, I came to the family four or five years ago and we went through this that, that was streaming and mm. different platforms that were being created and, uh, that didn't exist, and it was going to the, the whole distribution of of an inefficient cable model uh, that that exists is go, is going away to a more efficient streaming model, and me, and many other things, and that was going to that looked like it was going to have a sea change, and it is, and so uh, how all that plays out, and can you take advantage of those things? Uh, uh, can the, our sport take advantage of that? Uh, I hope so. Uh, I'm not in the negotiations, um, so I'm not privy to anything. But uh, but but it, it is true that there there's enormous amount of, of change, uh, and it, and the one thing I do tell pe- people in the industry all the time uh, is, you know, while you're doing whatever you're doing, other people around you who are competing for the same amount of rights. We don't tend to think of it that way. We just think, well, we're going to, with our TV rights. Well, guess what? The Big 12 just oh. sold their rights uh, two days ago. The Big oh. 10 just, you know, college football's had a big, big. resurgence, and, a, and that's good for them because we want everybody to do well because we have common partners. And so, um, but, uh, you know, that changes, you know, commitments that networks make. They have to make commitments on one sport or another at different levels. The NFL just went through their pricing. The NBA comes a year after we do. They're right behind us. We're sandwiched in there. Uh, And some of these guys are doing really well, and that's good. But it does change, you know, how we – you know, we're going to fit in, and yeah. we'll have to see how it goes. And I think to Dale's point is that that's – I would assume RTA and the race teams and the owners are probably just trying to figure out where they, they're they going to get as much as they can can get, right? If there's we, going to be so much change, they're going to try the, to fight but, for everything but, they can. Sure, and, and but they're not the only ones fighting for that. NASCAR is fighting for them. Sure. They are mm-hmm. absolutely fighting for them because they're – you know, they have a set percentage of, of everything that comes in. So they they have a reason to be 
uh, at the table interested uh, as they were with, when I was there. There was a lot of interest of, well, what, what do you think is going to happen? You know, what network are we going to be on? How, how is that going to be? And so that's not uncommon for yeah. that, that to occur. You just hope that's more private than it is public. <laughs> how do you feel about charters, um, the charter system? So I'm an I'm a interested uh, Xfinity team owner having good success here. I'm considering moving my team up. And for three decades, all I had to do was go buy some equipment, and I could become a cup yeah. owner and, a, and, and own a cup team. Um, but now, uh, with the way the model changed and, and how the non-charter teams right. are paid, it's really not economical to go cup racing unless you have a charter, and a charter now is millions of dollars. I absolutely understand uh, the, the purpose of them, and, 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 and had I been smart enough several years ago to buy a few, I'd be very happy right now. But it's also made it a difficult barrier of entry for somebody like me that yeah. wants to get in. So. A little bit of a tough challenge. Um, I don't. Maybe NASCAR doesn't look at that as a tough challenge at all. Maybe it looks as, as no, work, it working is. as working no, as design. No, it, it actually it was a concern when we started when we formed the charters, and it uh, it was a watch out thing. Um, on one hand, you want to build equity with teams that were already here mm -hmm. that uh, didn't have anything to sell but their equipment when right. they were ready to make a change. Uh, and you also wanted to align your interests to give them a a, a a bigger seat at the table of of influence of what we were trying to get done, and so those two things uh, you can debate did did we accomplish those two things correctly? Uh, uh, probably partially. Uh, are some of them maybe even even though it's only been a few years, almost outdated a little bit and need to be reformed and refined. Uh, sure, you probably I'm sure that those conversations are are, 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 are taking place now. But yeah. I hear your point yeah. too. you know it's a barren entry for a guy like you. Yeah. Um, stage racing. Uh, I think that that, you know, I really want, didn't want to get too deep into that conversation, but it is something new, and it's very, very highly debated in the sport um, and evolving. I know that there's conversations in the industry now about altering how stages are run. Even in road courses, there's been some debate about not actually having a caution and just sort of having a lap where everybody gains a certain amount of points but continuing the race. Um, but so stage racing, you know, it came along in 2017, right toward the end of your your involvement or your your position as CEO. Um, it's added a nice component uh, in terms of a bit of a you know getting points as the race is happening. It, it affects that affects fantasy betting, yeah. all types of things going forward um, in a good way. But um, it's also you know very criticized part of our sport much like the playoffs were when they first came yeah. around. Well, again, I, you're going to hear the same answer from me. All we're trying to do is get people to perform at a higher level, more intensity during the events, more things to watch, more things to pay attention to, to draw in the, an audience, do that in an authentic way. Uh, of course, yeah. and, uh, and and that stage racing is one way to to do that because there were lulls uh, 
Uh, you know, there's lots of discussion. Are the races too long? Uh, are sporting events too long? You hear that a lot. Yeah. All sporting events. Um, and uh, how do you make it more exciting between and all of that stuff? Less timeouts, sure. more of this, more of that. Yeah. So, um, August 5th, 2018. August 5th. Okay. Yeah. It was a tough day. Oh, yeah, 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 it was. Um, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, when you, you know, there's a lot of, there's been very little conversation and discussion about this, you know, and, and what you went through and, and how difficult that was for you. Or, yeah. Um, you know, what was going on in your life that, that put you in that position? What was happening? What 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 was going on that that led to that scenario happening and that playing out the way it did? You no, know look, uh, uh, nothing good in that regard. Um, obviously, made a mistake on that night or that afternoon, uh, that evening. Uh, made a mistake. Uh, can't can't happen. A mistake like that did happen. It's on me. Uh, got that part. Uh, uh, you know, that, that's just something you can't do. And yeah. uh, uh, so uh, it happened, uh, and life moves on. So life moves on, but, you know, you're – there are massive – you know, you've it's a massive issue for you. Something bad has happened for you. Uh, it's happening yeah. out – it's happening in a very public way. Um, yeah. What were you most disappointed – in I suppose you know that you had to step away from this role uh, was it was where you kind of like hey man you know months later maybe that was a blessing in disguise for me to be removed from uh, this position for me to move on to a new chapter in my life I needed a change I wasn't going down a great road what's what was what was yeah well look it, it, it turns out you know I've got a lot of gratitude in my life because things have really worked out for me that obviously was a dark moment um, but uh, caused me to look at some things uh, that I was doing in my life that could have been done a lot better in my health, number one. Um, it, uh, you know, I, it allowed me to, to, uh, to, to, to leave NASCAR. I think we did that in a really good way with the family that that was the right decision to make uh, on both sides, that, that 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 we needed, I needed to do something different and be a, be more more of a supporter. I'd had a 15 year run as the CEO. That's a long time. Um, I, uh, I I I don't like a messy ending like that. Uh, uh, no one likes that, least of which is me. But I have to tell you, I couldn't be any happier with what I'm doing now and the and and being able to look back on what we did accomplish. Uh, and, 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 and as I always say, it wasn't about me anyway in terms of, you know, people always say it's about my legacy and all this other stuff. I don't really look at it that way. We weren't trained to look at it that way as a family business. And, um, but um, oddly, you know, you, you learn how to get through some adversity and uh, that was tough. By the way, that was a tough, hmm. tough time in my life. There's no doubt about that. And a tough on my family, uh, tough on Jim and Lisa, uh, and put in that position. Um, and 
but but you know if you do the next right thing uh try to be the best version of yourself which i always you know we always talked about at nascar yeah you overcome things like that and right now i don't think there could be anything better i I've got a cool life. I'm do, I, I get to work with only the people I want to work with, only on the projects <laughs> I want to work on, mm-hmm. okay? We use our own private capital. I get to support NASCAR, which I love, uh, my family, which I love. I get to support them uh, in ways that, that, are, that work for them and work for me. Uh, I, I had a long, long good run at NASCAR. Um, I don't look at it as entitled. Well, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm out, I'm entitled, I'm not. It wasn't about that for me. Uh, so I was able to, absent the messy ending, and absent uh, uh, some other decisions that you're going to make in a long run that you'd like to have back. I've had a pretty cool life. Was there a moment? I mean, was there time during the next couple of months where there was sadness about? Sure, um, losing that position though. What's your idea? Sure, it's your identity. You know, it's 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 like stepping out of the car, uh, but under messier terms. What was the first thing you did to turn your life around? Well, uh, I, I had a pretty good life. Uh, so um, I have a great wife. I have great kids. Uh, uh, I've got uh, a lot of interest. Uh, that were always outside of NASCAR, which we always pursued. I got to accelerate those. Yeah. So, um, you know, um, I, I worked at some things on my health uh, that I needed to work on. Uh, I continue to do that. Um, that's cool for me because it's a different part of, you know, my life's gotten a lot bigger uh, from August 5th, and I had a pretty big life before. Mm-hmm. It's a lot bigger now. It's it's more, more uh, I'm more doing more things because no matter how great the NASCAR role was, and it was great, there's a, a whole bunch of obligatory things uh, that we talked about some today that, you know, over time, you know, crowd other things out that you want to do in your life. And that's all been removed. Uh, yeah. and, um, and that's cool for me. And I'm... I got my health. I got my family. I've got, uh, you know, uh, I'm able to invest in and work with a lot of young people and businesses that we buy, uh, that we start and buy, and uh, and and I'm having fun. I'm getting to be do because that's the one thing at the end of the last four or five years at NASCAR became one challenge after another, and the the teaching the. The, the working, getting in there, you know, this afternoon I'm going to go back and we've got three companies we're trying to do, turn to, do, and we're, we're going to be buried in that for, you know, the better part of today. That's cool for me because we're on the ground floor, we're doing things, we, we control it all too. We're not taking any capital from anybody else, we do our thing. And in in an in a, in a institution like NASCAR, there's a whole lot of things that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. That you know that you you may want to be working on, but you can't because you got to be dealing with something that's you know a media issue or something right in front of you. I don't have to do any of that. That's that's for other people and that's for Ben Kennedy. Uh, have their moment to do that. That's the way it should be. Kind of as messy as it ended, it's actually the way it should 
be because now I get that change you know, was inevitable. Just at some point, you sure it was going to happen. I was going to do it myself, but yeah. it would have been, you know, it's hard to make that change though when you're. Uh, it's it's a and part of it is it's one of the greatest jobs uh, in sports, uh, and uh, I didn't take that lightly. You do take it for granted a little bit over time because you're just kind of doing what you're doing. But but I never take it lightly that I that I, uh, but but I always knew, and I, and I got really good advice a long time ago that hey this is not about you anyway. This hey. is not this all this stuff you're reading about that's. You got to do, and my dad was good with this. You got to perform, do your part, help other people be successful. Then we'll be successful, grow the pie for everybody, and then you know, there'll be just results. There'll either be results or there won't be. And by the way, if there aren't results, you're not going to be here very long, regardless of your last name. Yeah. So I had all that stuff going for me. I, you know, I hear you when you're talking about it's not about you, but I. I think the one thing that probably is being is missed is that there were I can't speak for everybody, but there were a few of us, and I think two of us are here at the table. Is that we were concerned on a personal level, and that is about you, because if you care for other human beings, especially people that have been driving your boat, so to speak, I we we were concerned. I guess I was curious: was our concern valid? And it sounds to me like you're saying there was validity to it. And, and it makes me wonder how destructive do you feel like you were being at that time? I'm not going to rank uh, that, uh, that question. I, I, look, would have liked to have been healthier and better in some areas, but, uh, you know, on the scale of, uh, of things, you know, I, you know, I had more bumps than I did, you know, uh, hard knocks, but but n- nonetheless, they're bumps. You, know, you go through them in life. You know, you, it's part of life. You got there. There are just things that come at you, and uh, you don't get them right all the time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, you smooth them out. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a tough one for I can go back and forth. I can say, you know, that was terribly bad in that regard. But it, you know what? It, it, things are what they are, and uh, I feel great about uh, w- you know getting past that stuff. And it wasn't just my health, or you know, uh, or the DWI, or that kind of thing. It wasn't just that. It was, it was there were a lot of things that were that I'm trying to balance in my life uh, at the time, and I've been able to do that better and, and more effectively now. You look great. Well, thanks. I mean, yeah, you really do. I, I mean, I, 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 f- I feel like because we don't get to see you a whole lot, right? Is that? And I, well, I hope but, you're not seeing me a whole lot. Oh, Jesus Christ! I, I, I know, but like, <laughs> there have been a couple years. So, like, the last time we saw you, it, it was like, oh my gosh! I mean, I think again for people that care about your well-being, we want to know that you're doing well, and to see you right now, and to also hear you, and also t- talking about <laughs> all the cool stuff you got going on, it is refreshing because yeah, it well, sounds like things are good. On. That's why when well, come on, look, I, I, you know, I've been on a few things, but I don't do a lot of media stuff, and there's not really a, you know, need for me to do. I get asked from time to time, but I'm in a support role. Uh, it's fun to do. I appreciate the the thoughts about you know uh, all of that, uh, my personal stuff. But yeah, your personal stuff, your personal stuff, and and 
you know, uh, I, I'm happy how I overcome a few things. Yeah, uh, they're not always easy, and uh, getting all this stuff right, life gets a little messy. Yeah, yeah it does. So, um, what if you were presented with an opportunity to work in the industry again in a role? Is there any potential in the future that you would ever get back in the business? No, I have been, but I, no. There, so you've really, been offered some opportunities. Well, I've, I've I've looked at some things that not seriously. No, I, I no. Once you've done what I've done, yeah, there's not really a a good role for you. But but the other thing is, you know, I'm truly having fun sure. watching Ben Kennedy. Okay, uh, do what he's doing, and and I'll. Give him some. We'll we'll have lunch here and there. Uh, but he's doing his thing, and y- you got to let people also. Too much of me coming around. <laughs> I do. I go down to Daytona every every. Well, I'll go. I'll go to the five hundred. But I, I'll go down and visit people uh, during the week or something. And usually in January, I'll do that just to just to see if I can help anyone or whatever else. But I also realize that once you 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 leave the CEO position. You don't hover around. You yeah. need to let people do their thing. That could be problematic, for sure. It could be. Yeah. What is the business? What is this? Um, uh, what is the name of your? Well, what we do is uh, we do three things. We yeah. we we do um, private equity with usually with people we know. We'll we'll, we'll buy into uh, 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 companies uh, with, with groups of people we know, or we'll launch our own. Uh, own companies uh, might be you, you can get a great chicken sandwich up there at Summerbird. <laughs> so Summerbird is a new uh, restaurant. Yeah, and, and we're so we're hoping to take that. Uh, you know, that uh, that was a number of stores. That but, was born from scratch. You drew yeah, that up, and we did. We did it. that. We did that, and it's built to scale, built to go. We'll have we'll have multi, we'll have locations going up as we go along. We've got a. Uh, online uh, pet company called Wagwell. What does that do? Uh, well, we're going to sell all kinds of pet products and be innovative. And so uh, uh, it's in different industries. And so we'll do that. We'll do institutional investing and the traditional stuff. So we're doing all that stuff uh, inside of, of, of my family office, inside of Silver Falcon. Silver Works Falcon's out. the name of the business. Silver Falcon Capital is the name of what we do. And, uh, and it houses a... You know, um, anywhere to 350 people or something like really? that. So yeah, you know. So wait a minute. <laughs> so when you're, you know, so when you move on from NASCAR, how long did you, how long before you developed this idea and want to be part of this or? Oh, I, I had some of it going already going. Yeah. But that was a cool thing. We were, our family is entrepreneurial and yeah. it was always encouraged you know my uncle so this said, is something you know, been, things been, and we've all had been around for a while and you just yeah, finally I got just accelerated really and it. got some capital freed up and and got my attention with more importantly I, I to where i could put on it and uh and we just we just slowly but surely i'm working only with people i want to work with which is really cool um and i'm doing only what what i want to do uh that for me, that and you know this from your driving days. That that the amount of obligations that you have to do, and it's not uh, a criticism of the job. Sure, it's it's just the reality. I'm out from under all of that. That's you know, 
and I've got young kids that are still 16 to, to uh, well, going to be 12 uh, uh, next week, uh, wow. my, two, my two twins. And so I've got, you know, uh, I've got time to, to spend with them, uh, which that was always under pressure. Uh, and got a great wife. Got, you know, life's good for, for me. What is parenting Brian France look like? I mean, I, I'm just trying to imagine this. Like, because you do. You've got young twins, right? In fact, when you have kids, you have them in yeah, pairs, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't that what you're... Yeah, I do. Two, two pairs of... Yeah, two pairs. That's right. So, okay. So, uh, are you cooking pancakes in the uh, morning? What are you doing? My wife says, my Amy <laughs> says, well, you know, uh, she's the disciplined person in the family. Mm-hmm. She thinks I'm not tough enough on them. I'm a cream puff with them. I think I'm tough. I think I'm really tough with them. Uh, she's probably right. She's probably right, though. She is right. Uh, it's follow through. You're follow through. You're follow through. And she's. Yeah. <laughs> we all get this. Yeah, same we thing. all get this. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, uh, I'm with my kids a lot. I I I I love it. I'm gonna take. Uh, here's here's one for you. I'm taking my 16 year old to an Elton John con in Phoenix, and to the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Now you think I'm working at NASCAR? That's not happening. No. Okay, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's cool for me. I'm able to go to people's uh, weddings and different things, and, and that. Uh, so I'm, you know, that's all. I, my kids are still young enough where, you know, I can make that kind of impact with them and do do fun stuff and go to. I go to a lot of football games. I just went to the Tennessee Alabama game. I'm a huge sporting fan. You guys know that. So I'm taking my kids, some of my kids, a couple of my boys to that. I'm doing different things, and it's having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It so sounds it's a good like balance it. for me. Well, man, um, it's good to hear, you yes. know. And uh, I was excited to have you come today because uh, we're all curious. You met you intentionally um, hide in the shadows or don't 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 make yourself visible, and uh, we just curious as a as we could be about what you've been up to and what's going on in your life. Thanks for coming on here and, you know, letting us go through this timeline of events and everything and, and, and get your take on all the things that happened under your watch. And, uh, also being, um, you know, being transparent about your, uh, you know, your, your, uh, issues, uh, that led to you being removed from the sport, uh, Thanks for being willing to come here and talk about it. You know, we had we had debated about whether you would be. I think it shows a lot of character to come here and and be willing to share with us. Um, we appreciate that. Um, I talked to you know uh, a few people in the industry about having you on. Wanted to uh, you know and and our opinion and their opinion as well was that you had been a part of a lot of great things that happened in this sport. You were a part of a lot of things that we openly criticized uh, as drivers, <laughs> you know, as media members or as owners or what have you. But there were a lot of things, like Mike told me, like he was in the room and and yeah. very hands-on with several amazing things that happened in our sport. And uh, we wanted to give you an opportunity to be celebrated, uh, but appreciate you being honest, too, at the same time. Well, that's great. Look, it was, it was fun. It was, I think it's the longest interview I've ever done. Yeah. Is but, it? Uh, absolutely. Good. It was fun. Did we get fun. a plaque yeah. or something for that? Uh, you know, you, <laughs> he you get a nice <laughs> thank you card from me. Yeah. <laughs> he comes back. No, that was great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, guys. Okay. I, yeah, I appreciate it, Brian. Okay. Brian France on the Dale Jr. Download.
You know, Mike, whether I've been in the garage, right, as a driver or in the studio as a member of the media, the biggest lesson I've learned over the years is that we are all better off with an ally, a friend, a partner. My favorite part of the download has always been the opportunity it gives me to connect with such a wide range of people. They love racing as much as I do, and it means so much to me that when we leave the guest segment, I leave it with a feeling that I can call each and every guest on the download a true ally. Thank you, Ally, for your continued support of the show and the entire Dirty Mo Media team. That's the Brian France interview, man. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed it, Mike. And and honestly, he was pretty transparent on some things. Obviously, didn't get into details that I would have liked to have heard about some of the things he went through, particularly, you know, the experience with losing his job as CEO of NASCAR. But I didn't think this conversation would ever happen. So, honestly, uh thought he did a good job and and I don't know, man. I I feel like that as I listened to him talk, I was kind of reminded that, I mean, everything he did didn't fail. You know, no, it right, wasn't. It, right. It's not this massive just string of failures. There were some big, big things that just didn't work out. The Carl tomorrow, he admitted it. Mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the the DUI and, and massive mistake. Right, put us in all in a bad situation. He he's regretful. Um, but I mean, there were some good things. You know the negotiations with TV partners and so forth. And he was, he played a role in a couple, he played a role in a lot of scenarios that I don't think we realize, you know, where he mattered. Right. 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 And there were things that some people will define as a mistake and he clearly doesn't have regrets on them. Like, I thought he would kind of walk back and go, I wish I hadn't put Jeff Gordon in the playoffs at, you know, in hindsight. Nope. He thinks he did the right thing on that, yeah. and uh, I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, there were a couple things we didn't agree on, but uh, and you know he, uh, him admitting that he took some of the things personal was a was an interesting moment. Yeah, feeling like you know, yeah, I mean him to be able to admit that. Yeah, I took it personal. I would you know I'd get angry with certain individuals, and 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 he just said over and over about the you know the the restaurant. Yeah, analogy was pretty interesting. He, he goes back to that uh, a good bit, and and so I would say this: uh, I think that there there's going to be people that may come out of that a little unfulfilled because of whatever expectations they had for, for us to do that. But let me just say this: th- there was no way you and I were going to let one topic hijack the entire episode there was so much to cover for for brian france that there's no way like could we have spent more time in one area sure but then what gives right something's got to give so i you know i think that you know some people may wish we had done it but we hope that maybe this isn't the last time we talk to brian france for maybe sure. we can expand on that but um i i was uh i was glad to have him at the table it was good to see him he looked good yeah. like uh, you know I, the last times we had seen him, it wasn't so good, but the, but he looked good and he's taking care of himself. So I hope that's not the last time, and I really appreciated the time with him. Well, looking back on this year, it's been pretty exciting. Some of my favorite favorite guests, uh, I'd have to say the Randy Lanier episode was one of my favorites. Being able to talk to him after watching his story on Netflix and so forth. Jeremy Mayfield, that episode uh, was highly uh, controversial, a lot of conversation around that one. And it was pretty impressive, the, the list of people that we had come in here. Uh, Denny was great when he was on the show. 
Um, Boar said was a lot of fun. Being able to talk to Jeff Bodine and get his feedback on some of the things that Dad and him went through was amazing. Uh, Kathy Watkins, you know, my aunt, shared a couple unique perspectives on Ralph Earnhardt and Dad. Yeah. You know, the more human side of how they were as uh, fathers and brothers and so forth. So uh, it's been an, it's been a great year. Can't wait till next year. Um, a lot of growth at Dirty Mo Media. Um, Door Bumper Clear had an incredible, uh, you know, very volatile season. Uh, we've got some plans about some new projects that I'm excited about. I wish we could be talking about them and telling you what's going on, but we got some really cool things in the work here. Works here at uh, Dirty Mo Media, and uh, 2023 is going to be a fun one. So, till then, I mean, we'll talk to you on and off throughout the off season. I hope you guys have a great week. Um, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Until we talk again. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. 